will be the first selection in the 2016 version of the Pros versus Joes? Can Fantasy Sports Network's Jake Seeley defend his crown tonight? Or will this be the year the Joes bring the title back to their side? Plus, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott steps in to co-host with me, Eric Balkman, tonight as we kick off the 2016 Fantasy Football Players Championship Pros versus Joes competition with league number one, the Purple Rain Division. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman inviting you to stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks a lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special July 24th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. Greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and Gerzakin addicts. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is off tonight. However, riding in the co-pilot's chair tonight is film recording stage, an NFL talent agent, and Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, thank you once again for dedicating more of your time uh, to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Two hours tonight, buddy. It's going to be fun. Wouldn't miss a day. There's going to be some fine players coming off the board. Who do you predict want to win this thing? You know, my money's always on uh, the Joes, obviously, because they are near and dear to my heart. I have much more interaction Mm -hmm. with them. Um, It's hard to bet against uh, Chad Schroeder, who's actually drafting tonight. Uh, from the five spot, and we're going to get to who he took in the first round shortly. But I think that's who I would probably put my money on. Rob Vieira uh, is also uh, a, a guy that would be a close second. But who knows, man? It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, uh, he, and, and I get to ride with you for two hours tonight, which is much better than Dave Gerzak. <laughs> you know, it's big shoes to fill with Mr. Gerzak. I like Chad Schroeder in any contest where he lines up and plays. Yeah, it's it. He's uh, he's definitely uh, the Joe everybody's going to be watching tonight. Uh, we have the first of six special episodes here for you on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the Pros versus Joe's Purple Rain Division Number One Draft tonight. We'll be covering it for you for two straight hours. If you want to follow the live draft board, it is streaming on YouTube. It's YouTube.com/slash High Stakes Fantasy Football. Uh, you can uh, go there right now and uh, check out the picks, and we'll bring them to you. Uh, shout out to the chat room right now. We uh, we have a good number, a good group of great guys in there right now. You guys can post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour. I'm at Eric Balkman. Farrell is at KFFSC. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com/slash The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. If you want to chime in and talk with us 
347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Uh, we'll hopefully talk to some pros and Joes tonight uh, as they uh, move through the draft uh, and tell us uh, how, it, how it's going for them, picks. Maybe we'll get some picks on the clock. You never know uh, with what's going to happen over the next 120 minutes. It's going to be a blast. Our email address is highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Our producer and mutual friend Rob, audio engineer Bryce, will be checking that email box during the show tonight. Get uh, those emails to us, and uh, hopefully we can read them on air and to, uh, to any uh, pros or Joes that are calling in. Uh, I want to remind everybody uh, before we get to the uh, pick analysis that if you wanted to play some high-stakes fantasy football, you can do so at myffpc.com. We have some online satellite leagues. Of course, the Football Guys Players Championship for a uh, $250,000 grand prize, $1.8 million prize pool. We have some super flex leagues and dynasty leagues on there as well. Everything starts at $35 on up, so a price point for everybody, no matter what your budget is. Check that out at myffpc.com. I'll introduce tonight's players here that we have in this draft. Leading things off, I should mention the the Joes will be drafting from the odd number spots and the pros from the uh, even number spots tonight. Uh, The... uh, uh, first Joe we have up is, of course, friend of the show, James Harper. He's drafting at the 101. Right behind him is last year's champion, defending champion, Jake Seeley from the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, he is drafting at the second spot. Right behind him is Paul Miley. Uh, at uh, he He's also a guy we recently had on the show, a Another good Midwestern guy, which we always appreciate here. Uh, Adam Ronis from rotoexperts.com in the four spot. Chad Schroeder, the aforementioned Chad Schroeder, drafting out of the five spot. Picking six tonight from draftaconsultants.com is Rumford Johnny. Thomas Glaze is the FFPC Joe at seven. Right behind him, Tony Sincata from Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. And Matthew Zozula, of course, one half of the uh, FFPC duo Tango and Cash. He is drafting ninth. The 2014 champion of the Pros vs. Joe's competition, Tim McCullough from rotoexperts.com, is picking 10th. Jimmy Wagner, another good friend of the show, who's a previous guest of the HSFF Hour, is picking 11th. And rounding things off tonight, former co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mr. Corey Parson from Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. So that is the lineup. Uh, I don't know if um, we, we, we might be hung up here a little bit uh, at, uh, at the 8th spot. I'm not sure... Um, if we are or not, uh, but we'll uh, we'll figure that out uh, momentarily. We can at least go through the uh, first seven picks uh, that have been made. Well, leading things off tonight uh, was James Harper. He took Antonio Brown at the 101. No surprise there. Let's talk a little bit about the 102, Farrell. Uh, a little bit of a surprise here. David Johnson goes to uh, defending champion Jake Seeley from the Fantasy Sports Network. The first running back off the board, and honestly, I haven't seen him go number two overall in a whole lot of drafts this year. Uh, kind of interesting that he uh, makes uh, David Johnson the number two pick. What's your analysis there? More than interesting, I think, Balky, if you ever are going to be disappointed in the first round, it's because you drafted a running back. Those are the guys that are most likely not to deliver. Johnson had put up wonderful numbers towards the end of the season, but you've got a coach out there that loves his veterans, and he's got one in the backfield to share some time with David Johnson. It's a little too high for me. No first-round running backs for me at all. David Johnson, not at the number two spot. Maybe Jake knows something we don't. You remember last year, and I'll just get this out of the way uh, right at the top of the show, Jake Seeley picked from, I believe, the five spot uh, also in this opening Pros vs. Joe's draft last year. Um, he, uh, took Justin, wait, now how did it work? He took, I can't remember which one was which now. I think he took CJ Anderson at the one Oh five 
Yes, mm-hmm. that's what it was. He took C.J. Anderson at the 105 and then took Justin Forsett coming around at the 208, as it were. Uh, two guys that really underperformed. Forsett obviously had the broken arm, uh, and, and he never really lived up to what you'd hope a second-round pick would be. Uh, C.J. Anderson obviously didn't come on until the end of the year, and Jake still ended up winning at Farrell, uh, despite not only going running back, running back with his first two picks, but missing <laughs> kind of on, on those first two picks as well. Uh, really surprising uh, that that worked out, but Jake goes right back to the drawing board, gets David Johnson at the 202. Uh, Julio Jones is the 203, that of course to Paul Miley of the Sven and uh, Ali uh, franchise, of course, uh, Sven and Oli, excuse me, uh, him and Arnie Grebanowski, uh are the co-owners there. RotoExperts.com uh, has the uh, number four pick, that is of course Adam Ronis. He takes Odell Beckham. So as we look at those first four picks, Farrell, I think, uh, you know, commissioning as many football guys drafts as I have so far, there seems to be uh, a mark of Brown, Jones, Beckham as three of the top four picks uh, in almost every draft I've done so far. Not always in that order, not always, you know, at the one, three, and four, but they always seem to go in those top four picks. Do you think that those three receivers have set themselves apart from the rest of the wide receiver position? I do, but I've got – I've got Hopkins knocking on the door and, and joining that bunch where you could shake him up and put him wherever uh, he would like to be and wherever anyone would like to draft him. I took him in an FFPC draft in the third position. Now, with the news that we're getting at the running back position out of Pittsburgh, if you want to elevate any of those guys, naturally it'll be for the guy that I think goes most often first anyway, and that's Antonio Brown. Yeah, Brown seems to almost always go for I've seen Jones and Beckham go uh, first overall in a few drafts, but more often than not, it's Antonio Brown. I'll tell you a guy that How has been going. How often does Hopkins sneak into those three? Does he ever? He, I, you know, I recently I saw Hopkins go at the 103, but I think that's the only time I've seen him go, and I think that was before um, Jones. Um, right. it, it, that, that draft went Brown, Beckham, Hopkins. That's really the only time I've ever seen him sneak up there and um uh it, it's been pretty rare the the guy that uh hopkins went at the at the 106 tonight uh to run for johnny right before him chad schroeder takes rob gronkowski the guy that has been the uh, number one tight end in fantasy circles for years chad starts off of course this is a one and a half point tight end premium scoring format uh, so tight ends will be more valuable here uh, and Chad goes right after Gronkowski at the 105. Hopkins, as I said, goes at the 106. Des Bryant uh, to Thomas Glaze at the 107. The FFPC Joe uh, takes uh, Des Bryant there. Uh, the 108 pick, Todd Gurley, is uh, going to Sirius XM Radio's Tony Sincata. Uh, Tango and Cash, Matt Zozula takes A.J. Green right after that. Ezekiel Elliott is the uh, third running back off the board to Tim McCulloch, of course, uh, 2014 champion of this. He goes uh, Elliott at the 10. Adrian Peterson is Jimmy Wagner's first-round pick at the 11, and rounding out the first round is Keenan Allen to Corey Parson. Wow. Uh, Farrell, I don't know if there's any massive surprises there. I think Johnson was the biggest surprise for me. Anything else that you see in that first round that maybe uh, struck you as a little surprising? Surprising in somewhat, although Corey had to take him there if he wants him. Um, Keenan Allen working his way into the first round. I have seen that infrequently. We have four running backs to go in the first round. And if I'm sitting at that 11 spot and Adrian Peterson is still there, it's hard not to pull the trigger on that ball. 
So that is the first round as, as we round things uh, up tonight, kicking off the 2016 Pros versus Joes. If anybody's wondering how you get selected for this and what these players are playing for tonight, uh, the Joes are randomly selected uh, among all of the uh, FFPC players that either have a deposit or their main event team paid for by the time the early bird uh, deadline rolls around, which is right uh, shortly after the NFL draft. Um, if you uh, get your name selected, you get one of the spots. This is 36 pros, 36 Joes. We're going to be broadcasting tonight, Monday, and Tuesday, as well as next Sunday, next Monday, and next Tuesday, broadcasting all six drafts uh, here at blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF. What are they playing for? A 2017 FFPC main event entry valued at $1,825. Each one of these six champions will win one of those uh, this season, and uh, they'll compete for $250,000 next year, whatever the main event grand prize is. Uh, This year it is $250,000. So that is what these players are playing for. It is going to be certainly cutthroat, and that continued into the second round as Corey Parson follows up his Keenan Allen pick with another wide receiver in Mike Evans. Le'Veon Bell, we were wondering how far he would fall given that he looks to be out for the first month of the season. Le'Veon Bell goes to Jimmy Wagner at the 202, followed by another polarizing type player this season coming off the ACL is Jordy Nelson. Uh, That did not scare RotoExperts.com's Tim McCulloch to taking him at the 203. Alshon Jeffrey, uh, fellow NFC North receiver, goes to Matt Zozula right after that. Lamar Miller, to uh, Tony Sincata from Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, he goes at the 205. And then we see a massive wide receiver run, Farrell. Allen Robinson, <laughs> Brandon Marshall, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, Demarius Thomas. It's still going. I don't know how long this receiver run is going to go. But, but what do you think about this, this receiver run here we're seeing um, in the uh, second half of the second round of this draft? There's a lot of talented guys out there, and certainly – I don't want to say an arms race to, to get as many receivers as possible, because remember in this format, you only start two wide receivers every week. This is two running backs, two receivers, one tight end and two flexes. You could start up to four. This is a best ball format. So these guys won't be submitting starting lineups. Uh, But the fact that you only have to play two of these every week, you would think maybe there's not a premium on it. Obviously the second half of the board here or the first half uh, of the guys picking uh, here would disagree in the fact that they wanted to load up and get those receivers there. What do you make of that receiver run in the second round? I think we're going to see that quite often in these first three rounds, especially in this format. And you take the guys that uh, selected here in the 11 spot and the 8 spot that, that put green stickers up on the boards uh, for their first two players, it's going to be very interesting what they have to choose from in this third round. And I think they might have to make the decision um, do they look at one of the best tight ends remaining on the board to, to begin to populate that flex position uh, with wide receivers of varieties that you would have to get in the fifth round on down? There's some great names that uh, are going off this board and aren't going to be available at the end of this third round. Let's specifically talk, Farrell, here about that Brandon Marshall selection uh, by Rumford Johnny at the uh, at the 207. He had, if he wanted to go receiver there, he could have gone Brandon Cooks, an up-and-coming wide receiver uh, for the New Orleans Saints in a pass-heavy offense. He could have gone T.Y. Hilton, the number one receiver uh, in the Colts high-powered offense with Andrew Luck throwing to him, or Amari Cooper, a guy who is, uh, uh, definitely had a good rookie season with a quarterback throwing to him that, that seems to get it, seems to be on the rise in Derek Carr. He could have gotten Demarius Thomas, a guy who probably if he, if he would have had any kind of good quarterback or halfway decent quarterback, would have been a first-round pick. 
He goes with Brandon Marshall, a guy who might be catching balls from Geno Smith. Do you like that pick when all those other guys were available there? We talked a little bit about the Friday night. No, I don't. I think Brandon Marshall should be moving down the board to middle of the third round. At, at, uh, he, he doesn't belong in that situation. I know what he's thinking, or I believe I know what he's thinking, that um, if Geno Smith is at the helm, he's got to target Brandon Marshall, and he's, he's going to fix himself on his number one receiver. But that's a very iffy strategy, and with all the players that immediately went after him, I'd rather have all those guys, Cooks, Hilton, Cooper, Thomas, move them in front of Marshall. You'll be well rewarded. The uh, last pick of the second round by Joe James Harper was uh, Falcons running back Devontae Freeman. We've been talking about receivers, Farrell, and I always feel like in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, the uh, contest you are the commissioner of, uh, you have to start three receivers in that contest. It seems like receivers fly off the board there more than ever. I think that they're going to be pushed up this year, and we're going to start seeing that already on August 14th when uh, the KFFSC uh, kicks off its main event drafts. You also have drafts in Cincinnati uh, in the second to last weekend of August and in Louisville. Uh, those are both live, both Cincinnati and Louisville. And then the last weekend uh, of August is is when uh, Team Wisconsin always comes down and drops <laughs> live in Louisville. But that's always fun. What what? Uh, and, and you you obviously um, relaunched the podcast at kffsc.com uh, with uh, KFFSC player uh, Robbie Fetcher. What have you guys uh, been talking about in regards to uh, how how far you think receivers are getting pushed up this year with with zero RB really really becoming super popular in 2016? Yeah, we're pushing them through the roof, and you know our tight end drafts are not inflated because of the 1.5 points. So our receivers you know, go truly through the roof. And what we always find very interesting is who is that first quarterback that's going to come off the board? Where does he? Where is he going to go? With these uh, pros and Joes tonight, I, that would be my over and unders when we're going to see the first quarterback uh, move off the board. And I'd like you to put a number up there bulky but to directly um to directly answer your question we have dante uh, dante moncrief going in the uh, in the fourth round would be a perfect example there's a player that's pushed up the board based on his potential of, of what the colts can do that that says it all about how high wide receivers are going We'll talk. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about Kentucky later on in the show, but I do want to uh, um, give listeners the opportunity if they wanted to play not only the FFPC at myffpc.com, they can actually go to kffsc.com, check out uh, all the main event, all the offerings there. Still plenty of options available both uh, in the online uh, events as well as the live ones, right, Farrell? That's right. Online starts August 14th for our main event. If you can't make it to Kentucky, we've got uh, currently six online drafts uh, for you to participate in the 2016 championship. The uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break here, uh, but. <laughs> When we come back after this, we're going to talk about all the tight ends that are starting to fly off the board here in the third round. You are listening to the Pros versus Joes Division One Purple Rain League. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on right after this. 
The 2016 Pros versus Joes competition is well underway as we are hitting the turn in the uh, third, fourth round here on blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF. I'm Eric Balkman, your host, sitting in for Dave Gerzak tonight is Farrell Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Farrell, I, I talked about it uh, before the break. We had a lot of tight ends go off in, in round three here. Um, with uh, the, the first half was, was kind of chalky. A lot of running backs, a lot of receivers. Um, Jamal Charles goes at the 301 to James Harper. That's his second running back, so he has a backfield of Freeman and Charles to go with Antonio Brown. Strong start there. Randall Cobb is the second selection of the third round to Jake Seeley. Uh, fellow Packer, Eddie Lacy, goes to Sven and Ole at the uh, 303 tonight. Uh, Sammy Watkins is uh, rotoexperts.com's uh, Adam Bronis's pick. He goes receiver, receiver, receiver. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Beckham, Hilton, and Watkins all starting off uh, as, uh, as Ronis' picks tonight. Mark Ingram is the 305 selection, followed by Jarvis Landry to Rumford Johnny, Julian Edelman to Thomas Glaze, and here come the tight ends. Greg Olson to Tony Sincata, Jordan Reed to Tango and Cash's Matt Zozula, Kelvin Benjamin is the selection for uh, Tim McCulloch, and then uh, Delaney Walker and Dante Moncrief finish out the third round. Farrell, let's talk about those tight ends right away. Greg Olson goes one pick before Jordan Reed. Uh, obviously, uh, Tony Sincata had the choice between Olson and Reed. He goes with Olson. How do you fall on that uh, discussion? If you were going to pick one of those tight ends this year, you were choosing between Olson and Reed. Which one would you go with? He really can't lose there if, if you're going to flip a coin. I probably would lean towards Reed just because I know the player a little bit better. Uh, of course, Olsen is a premier player in the league, and, and he's the gold standard in that Carolina offense. He's both going to put together huge numbers. Perhaps Washington is in a situation where they have to run and gun it a little more, have the ball flowing around a little more. Jordan Reed in that offense maybe gets a few more chances than Olsen with Benjamin returning. So I'm going to go Reed, but you can't argue that either way. Are you a little surprised that Delaney Walker creeps up to the third round? I mean, I, I really haven't seen him go that high. This is Jimmy Wagner, who who obviously participates in a lot of FFPC leagues. Uh, Delaney Walker is his first selection uh, at, for the tight end position at the 311. Are you at all surprised that, that, that we're seeing Walker mentioned uh, in, in that third round with Olsen and Reed? No, not at all. I think Walker will continue to to increase um, his contribution to that Tennessee offense. You know, he is a player that last year was a tremendous bargain in the main event. Around the fifth round is where I got him, and and he made all the difference for me. Uh, Walker is a significant player. He is is the focal point of that offense no matter what happens in the backfield, no matter what happens with the wide receiver. Walker will put up numbers just short of Reed and Olsen with potential – that he is just as equally good as the guy around the goal line and probably a bigger chance to score uh, uh, longer longer scoring plays moving more down the field to Laney Walker. Uh, Jimmy Wagner is in the uh, the HSFF hour chat room. He actually said that uh, he was never going to get one of the top three tight ends at the snake around. That's why he took Walker there. That makes a lot of sense. And for anybody who wants to participate in the chat that's going on right now, blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF is where you can do that. Uh, and you can also follow the live draft board, youtube.com slash high stakes fantasy football. Uh, you follow along pick by pick there. Farrell, we are through three rounds. What Are you at all surprised? I, I guess... 
I'm somewhat surprised but not shocked that we saw uh, four teams start off with three straight receivers tonight. Uh, we saw RotoExperts.com's Adam Ronis do it. We saw Rumford Johnny do it from Draft Day Consultants. We saw Thomas Glaze do it. FFPC Joe started off with three straight receivers. And, of course, uh, Corey Parson finishing off the third round. The pick after Delaney Walker at the 312 was, in fact, Dante Moncrief. He starts off with three straight receivers as well. Uh, when we get to Vegas, I mean, because you've played in the FFPC before, do you think we're going to see more of this teams locking up these elite receivers right away, and we're going to see more teams starting off with three straight receivers than we ever have before? I think we are, and for guys that are listening to this program, I think you can target what Corey Parson is doing and 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 really understand where he is. He he pushed Allen into the first round. He took Evans a little a little higher than than he's been going in some drafts, and definitely Moncrief a little higher. But these are the players he wants, so he's reaching for them and he's putting them exactly uh, where he wants them, which is is on his team. Um, uh, no no attention to ADP. Corey Parsons, he knows what he's doing, so he puts together this team the way he wants to, and I would advise everyone to do that. And if you want these these top-of-the-line one and two receivers, these main targets on these NFL teams, this is where you're going to have to get them. We, uh, well, that's what I always like about these pros versus Joes drafts that we cover on the, on the HSFF hour every year. These guys are, are not um... – afraid to uh to to draft out of adp i mean these guys are not ranking slaves or anything like that or adp slaves not that ffpc players are but i think you tend to see a little bit more freewheeling given that i mean while there is a main event entry at stake here uh these guys were were either randomly picked or or chosen by uh the the pros were chosen by uh fantasymojo.com's darren armani who does a wonderful job putting this event together every single year so these guys don't necessarily have a a big investment into this. So they're willing to take chances, which I appreciate because it, it, it definitely makes the action throughout the season a lot more fun. Uh, and it also mm-hmm. makes uh, for, for a really good radio when we're covering this and seeing these, these picks go off the board. Uh, Farrell, we're about at the end of the fourth round. Let's quickly run through that. We talked about Corey Parson starting off with Allen Evans and Moncrief. He gets his first running back, Duke Johnson, uh, as his uh, first running back, who is not even the first running back on his team right now. Golden Tate is the first receiver selected by Jimmy Wagner at the uh, 402. Then we see Doug Martin. A guy, Actually, let's stop and talk a, a little bit about Doug Martin here. He goes uh-huh. to Tim McCullough at the 403. I don't know what it is, Farrell. I, I don't really remember seeing any reports come out of Tampa recently, but it seems like Martin's falling. I mean, I saw him go at the end of the fourth round uh, of a Football Guys Players Championship draft yesterday, why do you think that, that the Martin stock is not as strong now or doesn't seem to be as strong now as maybe it was a month ago? I have no idea, but I'm impressed that this drafter took advantage of it. He he pairs Martin with Elliott, uh, so he's got his two running backs, Nelson and Benjamin. I'm curious what he's going to do with the next pick. I think he goes back to wide receiver. But if you can guarantee, if you're going to say, well, hey, uh, look at Doug Martin available here. I, I would really like to have three wide receivers, but, you know, this is too – this is very much like the Peterson pick for me. If Doug Martin's there, I'm looking receiver, receiver, but, you know, at this point, this is my guy. Doug Martin's a wonderful value at this point in the fourth round. Tim McCullough, sorry, that's his second running back. Uh, so he has two running backs, two receivers. Jeremy Macklin is Matt Zozula's pick at the 404. That is his third receiver as well. Uh, Doug Baldwin, the number one receiver for Tony Sincata from SiriusXM Fantasy Radio. Uh, Baldwin is the 405. Following Baldwin is LaShawn McCoy, the first running back for Thomas Glaze. 
And as we talk about all the teams starting off with three receivers, DraftDayConsultants.com's <laughs> Rumford Johnny starts with four straight receivers. He gets John Brown at the 407 pick. A couple more tight ends uh, sandwich C.J. Anderson here. Travis Kelsey to Chad Schroeder. That's his second tight end, so he's doubling up on tight ends, taking advantage of the format. C.J. Anderson going to uh, Adam Ronis right after that. And then my man, Kobe Fleener, to Paul Miley's Sven and Ole uh-huh. squad. Uh, Kobe Fleener, the 410, rounding out the fourth round. Matt Forte to Jake Seeley. And Cam Newton, the first quarterback off the board at the 412 to James Harper. So that's more probably our, our biggest rainbow round we've had so far. Farrell, we, we see uh, yes. five running backs go off the board. We see four receivers, a couple of tight ends, and a quarterback. Um, if I was going to uh, ask you about uh, what Rumford Johnny's thinking in, in this, uh, and he already, I, I, I wish I could talk to him, but he said uh, he, he's not going to be able to call in tonight, which is unfortunate, but I get it. It's okay. He had a very good excuse. Uh, so he starts off with four straight receivers, Farrell. Usually in these draft experts formats, we see teams uh, more often than not getting those, uh, you know, bell cow running backs early on and, um, and then filling in the receiver cracks later uh, for the fact that, these lineups are chosen after the games are played. This is a, a optimum scoring. So if a if a guy like I always I always bring him up, Devery Henderson, when he has his three catches for 130 yards and two touchdown games, you would never have started him originally, but he gets started yeah. automatically for him. And I I feel like we see more big play receivers uh, in drafting in the later rounds than we do running backs. What do you make of the 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 four receiver start? Is that something you would do? Because I know you've done a lot of DEs before. Have you ever started off with four straight receivers? No, and here in this format, maybe he was looking at McCoy when McCoy, um, McCoy when McCoy comes off the board in front of him. At that point in time, I would have looked probably right to Kelsey, who went behind him. So um, I noticed Chad now now takes advantage of the of the dual flex and and comes in with two of the top tight end targets in the game. So sandwiched between those two picks, John Brown, and, and I don't like that pick right there. But uh, in this best ball format, I, I think he needed a player in a different position here. And we see two guys that, that really um, are, you know, Doug Baldwin, a guy who, who really came on the second half of the 2015 season. He's the number one receiver for Tony Sincata. And Golden Tate a guy who is going to have a massive opportunity in front of him this year as he uh, fills the number one receiver shoes that Calvin Johnson has worn for Detroit mm-hmm. for the past decade. He's the number one receiver for Jimmy Wagner. I got to tell you, even though that uh, it seems weird seeing those guys in the fourth round, they both seem like solid fourth round picks for the 2016 season. Very solid. And, you know, I kind of like what Jimmy's doing with a 16 week format here. He's going to take he's going to take his punishment on Bell and hope that Petersons takes out strong or starts out strong. You know, Tate's a ninety plus catch receiver, so he's in pretty good shape if he's going to call that guy as number one. Leading off the fifth round here as we move on uh, for the Pros versus Joes draft division number one. This is the Purple Rain division. Uh, Eric Decker at the five hundred one to James Harper. Carlos Hyde is the uh, third running back selected by Jake Seeley. He goes at the 502. Uh, back-to-back <laughs> Cardinal receivers here, Larry Fitzgerald to Paul Miley, Michael Floyd to Adam Ronis. 
Uh, we talked about Chad Schroeder earlier pounding the tight ends. He gets his second receiver here in Jordan Matthews, and then a bit of a running back run as we continue in the fifth round. Frank Gore, Deion Lewis, Thomas Rawls, and Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead going to uh, Matt Zozula there uh, at the 509 selection. So we have a bit of a running back run. Uh, Farrell, I heard you audibly grunt at the Carlos Hyde uh, selection at the 502. Talk a little bit about uh, why that pick was interesting for you uh, to see Jake Seeley take him there. Well, already with two running backs, Carlos Hyde, I, I don't know how often Carlos is going to score for this team in a best ball format. we got a lot of problems out of San Francisco. we we got a quarterback, Gabbert, that may uh, be the starter. That uh, I, I got to see that work. Uh, you know, when you have a new coach there, you've got that in, this entire new culture of what Chip Kelly's doing. It's a new culture on offense. It's a new culture on defense. Who knows where these players are going to fit, and who knows who can deliver in that system. And I'm not exactly sure how he can. And until we see it on the field, we don't know what those players are going to do. We were very surprised with how the players responded to Philadelphia last year. Uh, it left us scratching our heads, and not only last year, the year before. So uh, I don't know about that pick. And with two running backs already on my club, Carlos Hyde would have been an easy skip for me there. It's tough, I mean, to invest in the San Francisco offense this year, given the not only the 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 much below league average talent that is on that offensive roster, but also the fact that they have a new coach, they're rebuilding. It's it's going to be an interesting season there, and uh, there, there's a lot of lottery tickets there. I just I just don't know how high the ceiling is um, for. Uh, for those uh, for those people who select Niners players this year, I own Carlos Hyde in uh, in one of my dynasty leagues, so I'm obviously hoping for big things. I don't know if I would have selected him in the fifth round of redraft. Uh, another guy uh, that uh, has been slipping a little bit, Farrell, and, and maybe unjustly so, was uh, Thomas Glaze's pick of Dion Lewis at the uh, at the 507 tonight. This is a guy Farrell who, you know, when we when we launched our post Super Bowl. Um, uh, satellite leagues, um, you know, that started back in February. It seemed like Deion Lewis is going in like the second or third round consistently. And then when we had, uh, of course, our Genesis live draft in May, right after the NFL draft, and we launched more live satellites then, I, I was seeing him go in the fourth round. Now I'm seeing him consistently go in the fifth round. Are people just shying away from Lewis because they're unsure of how healthy the knee is, uh, you know, the, given the fact that he tore his uh, tore his ACL last year, and 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 it's not like it was early in the season. I mean, we're talking about whatever it was, early October, mid October. Um, do you think people are are getting cold feet of actually drafting Lewis now because uh, of the fact that they don't know how healthy he is and and when he's going to be at full strength on the field? Our pros and Joes obviously are bulky, and I don't know the reason. I, I it's hard to get medical information at any time out of New England. This player's not on the physically unable to perform list, the famous pup list. I see five running backs drafted in front of Deion Lewis here that that I have Deion Lewis ahead of on, on my sheets. So uh, I'm I'm glad to see that this uh, – I hope this holds. That's wonderful value. I I probably would not have passed on this player in the fourth round. 
Yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm with you. I think Deion Lewis is, is going to experience a bounce back, uh, ADP bounce, uh, as we move forward and getting closer to the drafts. Uh, at the uh, at the Westgate uh, in Las Vegas coming up in September. I think that Lewis will end up rising again. I think the fact that we're going to see him on the field at some point is going to increase his value. And the fact that he just crushed it last year when he was healthy for that New England offense, uh, I think only good things for Deion Lewis uh, once he proves that uh, that knee injury is behind him. I mentioned Danny Bird. They're not a bulky. Yeah, they did, especially the first month of the season, man. It's Jimmy Garoppolo running things. Uh, Deion Lewis is not a bad guy to um, to uh, check down to out of the backfield. Uh, I mentioned Danny Woodhead was the last running back of that uh, running back run in the fifth round. Completing the fifth round here was uh, the second quarterback off the board. Tim McCullough takes Aaron Rodgers. Latavius Murray is the uh, second to last pick of the fifth round. The Oakland running back goes to Jimmy Wagner and Devontae Parker. Louisville's own goes uh, to, uh, to Corey Parson at the 512. Devontae Parker being Corey Parson's number four receiver. So he is definitely loading up on the playmakers there with Allen, Evans, Moncrief, and Parker. Uh, very strong receiver roster right there. Farrell, I'm, I'm a little surprised that we see such a difference in, in picks between Newton and Rodgers as the top, uh, as the top two uh, quarterbacks off the board. We actually talked about this. Uh, with you on our on the Friday show. And for those of you who are listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour for the first time, we do this show year-round, Friday nights, 10, 9 central. Uh, you can hear myself, Dave Gerzak. Farrell is sort of the unofficial third co-host of the show because we love him so much. And we'll talk to a different FFPC high stakes player every single week. Uh, if you don't catch the live show on blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, uh, Overcast FM. We're on all those as well. Uh, so there's no excuse for you not being able to find us. We're everywhere, baby. Um, but you talk about the difference between Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers. We had an emailer um, contact us who's our, asking who our number one quarterback was. You said Aaron Rodgers. I said Cam Newton. I said it was close. I really didn't think that there was – this big of a, a difference, almost a full round of difference between Newton and Rodgers. Do you view uh, Rodgers as significantly better than Cam, or is it close for you, too, between those top two quarterbacks? It's close, and in this format, in a draft experts format, I may put Newton slightly ahead of him. I wouldn't end up with either of them because I wouldn't have drafted them this early. And I am just, I'm continually loving what Jimmy Wagner is doing in this draft. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes off the board. That takes Latavius Murray, drops to him, and he has his third running back, and I, I can see why he did it. And uh, I'll let you take the next round, Bucky. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but now Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Adrian Peterson on the same roster, he can add some receivers. He needs to start adding them now, and I'm not sure I would have done what he did in the next round, but I think <laughs> by, I, I, I'm surprised to see Rawls, an undrafted free agent, um, Woodhead, a very talented player in all formats, but still a specialty running back, and the 33-year-old Frank Gore. I think that's right, 33, Balky. Go ahead. That sounds right, yes. Murray. You know, it, yeah, it doesn't it, make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and, and Murray has he's, – he's been – you talk about polarizing running backs. Murray's been another polarizing running back this offseason here. You're, you're not really mm-hmm. hearing any – uh, praise uh, out of the mouths uh, of the Oakland coaching staff for Latavius Murray, even though he performed pretty well last year. Uh, you know, he didn't set the world on fire, but it's not like he he completely, you know, 
Devontae Adams did either. You know, Latavius Murray actually was somewhat competent uh, for the majority of the 2015 season. So he's a guy, especially in that up-and-coming offense, uh, that I, I think you, you have to really take a hard look at in the fifth round and the fact that he was still out there uh, at the 5'11", um, was uh, maybe too good of a value to pass up for Jimmy Wagner. You know, he only had one receiver on his team. Uh, so getting Murray um, to go with Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson, that is certainly a strong running back core uh, that he can bank on uh, for the majority of the season. We, um, we look at the sixth round here, Farrell, as it is, yes, it is complete. Uh, let's go through this. Uh, Corey Parson, we mentioned taking Devontae Parker with the last pick of the fifth. Then he goes Giovanni Bernard. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. was the pick that you were referring to, not so subtly referring to, uh, by Jimmy Wagner at the 602. He's the uh, first quarterback taken by Jimmy Wagner, the third quarterback off the board. Alan Hearns is Tim McCullough's pick with the third selection of the sixth round. And then we see Matt Jones to Matt Zozula. Tyler Lockett to uh, Tony Sincata, uh, DeMarco Murray is uh, the running back selection uh, for Thomas Glaze at the uh, 6.06 pick tonight. So let's stop right there and talk about the first half of the sixth round. What do you make of, um, that was Tony Sincata with his top two receivers being Doug Ball and Tyler Lockett, both Seahawks. What do you make of mm-hmm. that selection, of those two selections there? And honestly, let's, let's even talk about the pick in between them. He goes Thomas Ross. So he's gone three straight Seahawks in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. I think, um, I think he watched a 30-30 or something on the Seahawks before the draft, and it's just gone <laughs> uh, Seahawk crazy. I, um, you know, you've got to believe in that team. He's probably he's, – he's, I don't know what he's thinking, to be honest. Now, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I love to put together a receiving core from a team. But if I'm going to put together a receiving core in this format, I don't believe it's going to be Seattle because Russell Wilson is uh, not going to throw for the number of touchdowns, not going to uh, accomplish the number of yards or completions. The team's not put together that way. He's not going to get anywhere near um, the offensive production given to the receivers by Rodgers, by Luck, by Newton. Uh, It's interesting picks. We, uh, I, I'm just looking at the second half of the sixth round. This is not something you want to miss when we talk about who got selected here with these six picks. We do. We are up against the break. We're going to come back and talk about the second half of the sixth round of the Purple Rain Division here on the blog. Uh, excuse me, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, which you can listen to at BlogTalkRadio.com/hsff. This is the Pros versus Joes. Um, number, draft number one this year for the 2016 season. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Farrell Elliott. We're going to talk some Eagles and Colts right after this. Welcome back to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. This special episode here on July 24th of the HSFF Hour. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Farrell Elliott sitting in for Dave Gerzak tonight. Farrell, of course, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. We are covering the Purple Rain Division number one here on uh, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. And uh, Farrell, I talked about it a little bit before the break. These next six picks in the, uh, in the sixth round here really were surprising to me. And the, none more surprising than the seventh pick of the sixth round draftdayconsultants.com's Rumford Johnny takes Tavon Austin uh, for his number five receiver. Now Rumford uh, Rumford Johnny's team only has one running back, no tight ends, no quarterbacks. That's his fifth receiver. And he takes Tavon Austin. I, you know, I, I really haven't seen him go that high in, uh, in football guys drafts and FFPC drafts so far this season. Are you surprised that that pick is I am? Uh, 
I wouldn't mind this pick if he had had another running back on his team. He really missed out by by not moving down the board and taking some of these running backs. But I, I do like Austin. I like what Austin does across all aspects of the game, uh, running the ball, specially plays, catching the ball. I know Dave Gerzak likes to laugh says, Farrell, so you're counting on your receiver to pick up rushing yards. But uh, in, in the format that we're dealing with here, uh, five receivers, he's going to have a hard time scoring with this bunch. And it, it, a rookie quarterback there with the Rams, uh, yes, he should have passed on this player uh, and, and, and moved towards something at the running back or tight end position. I bet he goes tight end next. That would be my guess. We – we uh we have I mean we I've read some some interesting articles on Tavon Austin um you know actually taking another I mean he did take a big step forward in 2015 and he could actually take another big step forward in 2016 uh, with Jared Goff throwing him the rock uh, you know it's it's not something I would wager a sixth round pick on but certainly uh it, it could pay off and and sometimes when you're trying to win the league remember you don't get anything for second place in this league that's the type of pick that could eventually win this league so good luck to Rumford Johnny on that selection. Uh, certainly not a bad one, but maybe one that uh, raised my eyebrows. Uh, back-to-back Eagles right after that. Ryan Matthews to Chad Schroeder as his number two running back. And Zach Ertz, the first uh, tight end selected uh, by Adam Ronis there in the sixth round. Rounding out the sixth round, we have Jeremy Hill, Andrew Luck to Jake Seeley, and then Emmanuel Sanders, the final selection of the sixth round. Andrew Luck, Farrell, the number four quarterback off the board, coming off a really, really uh, tough season where he had a lot of injury issues, missed a lot of time. He looks to be back and healthy. The Colts' offensive line has improved from free agency in the draft. He has T.Y. Hilton back. He has Dante Moncrief uh, ready to break out. And Philip Dorsett, another potential breakout candidate, especially given that the Colts uh, are going to be running a lot of three-receiver sets this year because they lost Kobe Fleener to uh, the Saints in free agency. They uh, re-signed Dwayne Allen. He gets the big fat contract, always a threat at the red zone. Lots to like about luck this year. It was ugly. It was disappointing. It was painful for Andrew Luck last year. He's going to put that behind him. This is going to be the bounce-back, comeback player of the year, and he's going to return to somewhere between 40, maybe as high as 45, 46 touchdown passes. And people tend to forget what he can do with his feet down around the goal line. He can score the ball just like Winston, just like Wilson, just like Newton. Maybe not as frequently, but enough to give you the bump you need. Both Bengals running backs are selected here in the sixth round. Giovanni Bernard goes at the 601. Jeremy Hill goes at the 610. Farrell, do you view that as appropriate uh, distance between those two, given the uh, potential output that we will see in that Bengals offense this year? Uh, we, we don't have, uh, you know, Huey Jackson has moved on to Cleveland, and he really, really uh, took advantage of the skill set of both Bernard and Hill very well the last couple of years. What do you make of uh, what you think uh, the the production disparity is between Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill in 2016? Hmm. I, you know, these are two players that I would have loved to have had um, – on the same team in this format, and they don't they just don't fall far enough apart to get that accomplished. Unless maybe you pick them both down here at the turn, which would be foolish. So, yeah, based on where they are, I would have to I would have to personally stay away from these guys because I I'm just not a believer in in this team and you know uh, in the, in this bingo bingo team, and I wouldn't want in this format. I, I think. 
I think I can find something better, and I'll take my chance with a mix of running backs later. We're getting into that area where if you don't believe in the upside potential of the running back, uh, I'm going to look for another position in this format. And, and these guys splitting time and what I think of the Cincinnati offense and, and what I think of their schedule, uh, the teams they have to play, I wrap all that in a ball, and I say I'm going to stay away from Bernard. I'm going to stay away from Hill. Boy, if you like tight ends, Farrell, you are going to love round seven of this Purple Rain draft because they uh, there's the, the purple is the selection for, for the color selection for uh, tight ends in this draft, and there is just purple raining all over the seventh round here. Uh, we'll get to it here. I'm going to take you through pick by pick as as we just uh, completed the seventh round. Gary Barnage is the 701 pick. He's the number one tight end for James Harper. Corey Coleman is the third receiver to Jake Seeley. He goes at the 702. Tyler Eifert, the second tight end for Sven and Ole's uh, Paul Miley. Uh, Eifert goes with Kobe Fleener there as his top two tight ends. D'Angelo Williams coming off the board at the 704, of course, uh, going to be the starting running back or ostensibly going to be the starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers for the first four weeks of the season. And then we see Chad Schroeder. Julius Thomas is his selection, and that's significant because that's his third tight end already. Now, he can play three tight ends every single week. You have to start one tight end, and you get two flex spots. Uh, So conceivably, he could be starting Grant, Kelsey, and Thomas every single week. Again, best ball format. I don't know how often those guys will be his starters, but they uh, certainly could be every single week uh, should the uh, fantasy points dictate it. After Julius Thomas, Drew Brees is the selection for Rumford Johnny. That's his number one quarterback. Another tight end right after that. Thomas Glaze takes the newest Pittsburgh Steeler tight end, Ladarius Green. Uh, he is the 707 pick. Mini wide receiver run after that. Marcus Wheaton to Tony Sincata. Sterling Shepard to Matt Zozula. Michael Crabtree is the selection for Tim McCullough. And then Torrey Smith is Jimmy Wagner's selection as his number two receiver at the end of the seventh. Final pick of the the seventh round of this draft was Eric Ebron to the fantasy executive, Corey Parson. So you look at that seventh round, Farrell, a lot of tight ends going off the board. We see what's happened in the eighth uh, round already, and there's even more tight ends going there. So I feel like this area right here, the draft, we're going to be talking about this for the next two weeks at least, uh, doing these live broadcasts. I feel like if you don't have a tight end at this point in the draft, the seventh, eighth round, this now it's panic time for this tight end Uh premium format format with point and a half per catch scoring. You need to get a tight end on your roster at this point. And this is, it seems to be, this is where all of them are flying off the board. Obviously so tonight. And, and I agree with the first half of the seventh round is how they line up and, and, Dwayne Allen going after Ebron, uh, but to the same team. So uh, the the fantasy executive, Mr. Parsons, bringing it back together with those two players. Um, Julius Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski on the same team. You know, we picked Chad as a a potential favorite. Uh, He's got a team that looks to me like it's put together to score points. These players be be the scorers. Uh, 60 to 70% of, of his games uh, this coming year. You know, we we talked about the Niners offense a little bit when Jake Seeley took Carlos Hyde at the 502, and, and you and I both were of the opinion that it is a little risky to invest in the 49ers offense this year, especially when you're talking about uh, this early in this type of, uh, of draft. Uh, 
you see Torrey Smith as the number two receiver going uh, to Jimmy Wagner at the 7-11 tonight uh, behind Golden Tate uh, as his fourth-round selection. Is there something to be said for the fact that we know the Niners want to play at a fast pace with Chip Kelly? We know that they probably will not be ahead in a ton of games given uh, the lack of talent, really on both sides of the ball on that, on that team, and the fact that they have to play Arizona twice and they have to play Seattle twice this season. Is there something to be said for maybe we're overlooking Torrey Smith a little bit, the fact that he is the number one receiver on this team, the fact that he should get a lot of targets, especially if they're playing catch-up in fourth quarters uh, of a significant portion of their schedule. Is there something to be said of, of Torrey Smith being undervalued, even as, the, uh, as a late seventh-round pick? I've got to see it in the preseason and see what it looks like. And I don't know how much I don't know how much play he's going to get in the preseason. I don't know how they'll how they'll attack that. Um, but Torrey Smith, along with his brethren at the Forty ers are not going to find the, their way onto my fantasy roster. Uh, we we bragging. I was bragging a little bit about Jimmy there, and I think he went quarterback a little earlier than he had to, and then he followed it up with Torrey Smith and. Uh, I'm not very proud of that pick either. It looked like the tight end run was – it looked like the wide receiver run was following this uh, – all this purple coming off the board, and Jimmy was, was uh, down to few options that he felt legitimized himself as a seventh-round pick. I think I would have looked elsewhere. He's probably regretting going quarterback uh, right now because he sure missed some some really good receivers. Hearns and Sanders would have possibly been better picks for him. And uh, he could have he could have uh, added that quarterback in that Torrey Smith spot. Round eight is now complete, and we have uh, every single team in this draft has a tight end except for one. Uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But this is sort of like the um, the uh, lead. Well, I'll, I I won't even talk about it. We'll just say who went off the board. But I think this is an interesting running back round uh, as well, Farrell. We only saw one receiver go off. Uh, in the uh, in the eighth round tonight, and uh, leading things off at the 801 was Dwayne Allen. He goes to uh, Corey Parson. Uh, this is right after he took Eric Ebron. He follows it up with Dwayne Allen, so he now has two tight ends. Tevin Coleman goes to Jimmy Wagner at the 202, and then we see three straight tight ends. Austin Safarian Jenkins is the number one tight end for Tim McCullough. Tim McCullough, by the way, uh, he's every time he drafts in the pros versus Joe's, I'm going to mention this. In 2014, he won this entire competition only having one tight end on his roster. He drafted Antonio Gates wow. as his only tight end this year. Uh, draft experts format, so there's no pickups, uh, no waivers, no fab throughout the season. He ends up making it all the way through the season and uh, and wins the whole thing. And he's, he ends up being, by the way, the first pro ever to win the pros versus Joes. It was dominated by the Joes before McCulloch won it. And uh, McCulloch takes another tight end tonight. Will that be his only tight end? We'll have to see. He's, he's won it before, <laughs> only drafting with one tight end. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do it tonight, but right now, Austin Safarian Jenkins is that first tight end. The aforementioned Antonio Gates goes one pick later to Matt Zozula and Tango and Cash. Charles Clay, the Bills tight end, is the second tight end drafted by Tony Sincata. He goes tonight, excuse me, at the 8.05. Jeremy Lankford, Charles Sims, Amir Abdullah. Three interesting running backs that we'll talk a little bit more about in just a second here. Uh, but Lankford goes to Thomas Glaze, Charles Sims to Rumford Johnny, Amir Abdullah to Chad Schroeder. Deshaun Jackson, the lone receiver picked in the eighth round. He goes to Adam Ronis. Uh, Rashad Jennings, uh, who's getting uh, 
uh, a little bit of movement up uh, football guys on mm-hmm. FFPC draft boards here. Rashad Jennings goes at the 810 to uh, Paul Miley. And a couple of tight ends round things out here. Jason Witten to Jake Seeley. And Jimmy Graham is the number two tight end to, uh, to uh, James Harper. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, Farrell. Have you ever seen a draft where Gary Barnage is drafted by uh, a player and then he follows up to back up Barnage with Jimmy Graham? I don't know if I've ever seen that before, where <laughs> Barnage actually gets drafted before Graham. It's a, it's a flip of last year, and I'm not very high on Jimmy Graham, and I, I've always been high on Gary Barnage and glad to see this this late uh, career surge that he's making. He's having the time of his life as a player, and he is going to continue to do well on a Cleveland team that may win three games this year if they're lucky. But they're going to be fun to watch, and part of that reason is going to be for Gary Barnage. Hey, in that seventh round, Balky, we didn't say a thing about the tight end run, and I don't want to, don't want to be negative with what's going on with uh, or the wide receiver run, the mini run that we've had. I don't want to be negative what's going on with our drafters, so I want to say something positive. Wheaton, Shepard, Crabtree, all in a row. I love them. I'd love to have uh, two of those three on my team. Probably would have, would have to reach to get one of them, obviously, up in that sixth round. That was a nice run of wide receivers and high potential there for guys, for 80 catch players amongst all three of those guys. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because people have been talking about in the wake of not only the Le'Veon Bell suspension, but the Martavis Bryant suspension. You have uh, two significant parts of that offense that are going to be missing at a minimum for the first month of the season. Obviously, Martavis Bryant for the entire season. One of the questions that fantasy players are asking themselves, racking their brains, uh, researching who is going to be the beneficiary of uh, of that uh, the lack of of those two guys in the offense is it are all those targets going to go to Antonio Brown is D'Angelo Williams going to flat out crush it again uh, without Le'Veon Bell in this offense is um, uh, somebody else going to step up at the receiver position perhaps uh, maybe even somebody like Sammy Coates or Darius Hayward Bay I've heard those guys mentioned here we see in back to back picks Ladarius Green to Thomas Glaze Marcus Wheaton to Tony Sincata. Those guys obviously are betting that Green and Wheaton are going to be the beneficiaries. And I think Wheaton, probably uh, in the wake of those Pittsburgh suspensions, he's been the guy that's been flying up draft boards the most. To be the number two wide receiver in that elite of a passing offense, it's going to be very significant for fantasy, and it's going to be very significant for the Steelers this year. I think so, too. Wheaton has to step up and bring it this year. He's had a lot of opportunities uh, he hasn't necessarily delivered with what you would expect him to do. I think this could be his year. If it isn't, it's time to look at the emergence of Sammy Coates on this team. We uh, that that was the the little receiver run we saw in the uh, in the seventh round. As we uh, look back at the eighth round, Farrell, um, a lot of tight ends go off the board there in Allen, ASJ, Gates, Clay. But t- let's talk about those running backs that went right in the middle. You have Jeremy Langford, who is probably the starter in Chicago uh, over George oh, yes. Howard, Kadeem Carey, and, and the rest of the ragamuffins they got in that backfield. Uh, you have Charles Sims as the handcuff to uh, Doug Martin. Sims, obviously a talented pass catcher uh, that we've already seen uh, flashes from in, uh, in Tampa this year. And Amir Abdullah uh, to, goes to uh, Chad Schroeder. Uh, Amir Abdullah, again, probably looking at the starter in Detroit, a guy who – uh, flashed some big play potential in last year's preseason as a rookie and then uh, really underwhelmed uh, in the 2015 season. 
He's going four rounds later, essentially, than he was in uh, in drafts last year. Of those three running yeah. backs, what do you think was the best pick there between Abdullah, Sims, and Langford? And maybe not what's the best pick, but which which one of those three is most likely to find his way onto your squads this year? Definitely, if Abdullah was there amongst these three in the eighth round, that's who I'm picking. Langford is a close second. Sims, no, not in this round. I see... I see three running backs at least that I like better than Sims. That uh, and you mentioned one of them, and uh, Rashad Jennings. If you look at the work he did at the end of the year, and it, it, Balky, you know, it pains me to to rave about Rashad Jennings, one of the players who who doesn't have an agent uh, in the NFL. <laughs> I can't get behind that. But Rashad Jennings um, finished the year very strong, and I believe they're going to have to lean on him. I think that's going to be the answer in the backfield. They don't want that backfield to look like what it did in New York in, in New York last year. Yeah, definitely. And 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 uh, if you look at Rumford Johnny's team, um, which by the way we're through round nine, everybody now has a tight end uh, on their squad, at least one tight end, I should say. Rumford Johnny actually um, takes Charles Sims as his number two running back uh, off the board, and Sims is going to you know he's being drafted by by Rumford Johnny as a starter there he's not a starter in Tampa but the fact that uh, uh Rumford Johnny loaded up on all those receivers early he may not need to count on a ton of production if those receivers perform the way that they should this season uh we're, we're gonna stop it right there we're gonna take a, another quick break uh, ladies and gentlemen we're gonna follow up after the break with the entire ninth round that's now complete you are listening to the ffpc pros versus joe's division number one purple rain draft here i am eric balkman he is the commissioner of the kentucky fantasy football state championship Farrell elliott we're going to come back with round nine in the second hour of tonight's broadcast here uh on the high stakes fantasy football hour No Dave Gerzak tonight, but sitting in for him is the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott. My name is Eric Balkman. You're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, a special broadcast of the HSFF Hour here on July 24th. We're covering the FFPC Pros versus Joes. Division number one, this is the Purple Rain League. One of these players tonight at the end of the season will have won a free entry into the FFPC main event. That's an $1,825 value battling for a $250,000 prize, uh, first place grand prize next year, and a $1.8 million prize pool. Very exciting stuff. The competition is hot. The competition is fierce. And round nine, uh, no different than uh, the first eight we saw in front of it. A lot of good picks here. Farrell, as we kick things off at the 901, we see uh, Jonathan Stewart go to uh, James Harper. James Harper, of course, uh, FFPC Joe drafting out of the first spot. Zach Miller is the second tight end to Jake Seeley. He actually goes back-to-back tight ends, drafting his first one in Jason Witten at the end of the eighth. He follows that up with Zach Miller here in round nine. Uh, Willie Sneed off the board to Paul Miley at the 903. Theo Riddick to Adam Ronis at the 904. Kevin White is the number three receiver for Chad Schroeder. He gets him at the 905 tonight, and then we see a couple of tight ends go off the board. Rumford Johnny waits until the ninth round to take his first tight end. That's Martellus Bennett. Quick reminder, this is a tight end premium format with 1.5 points going for every catch by a tight end this year. So the tight ends do get pushed up in this draft a little bit more so than you would see in other standard PPR drafts. Kyle Rudolph goes to Thomas Glaze right after Martellus Bennett. Uh, We see uh, quarterbacks uh, starting to be picked here. 
people seeming to be waiting until the ninth round. We'll have to see what happens in the tenth, but I bet we see more quarterbacks picked here. Uh, Carson Palmer goes to uh, Tony Sincata at the 9.08. Arian Foster off the board at the 9.09, the uh, newest Miami Dolphin. He goes to Matthew Zozula as his number three running back. Ben Roethlisberger, Steve the Icon Smith at 9.11, and Blake Bortles going to Corey Parson, and that is your ninth round. Farrell, we see uh, a little bit more color now. Three tight ends, uh, three t- uh, quarterbacks going uh, in this spot. Only two, uh, excuse me, three running backs in this round, but one of them is Arian Foster. What do you make of Foster? We had a big discussion about this on, on Friday's show, not not you and I, but Dave Gerzak and I, uh, about the uh, uh, Arian Foster's uh, role and his fantasy production in 2016. What do you make of him as the selection for uh, Matthew Zozula here at the 909 as his number three running back. I think Matthew uh, pulled in and stole the bag of cash when no one was watching. That's a wonderful pick. It it brings his running backs together. He only had Jones and Woodhead. Now he has a starting running back with, I think, a lot of gas left in the tank in this team with this coach, in this culture, this part of the world. I love the Stewart pick. Uh, with James Harper uh, to lead off the ninth round. Uh, and I, curiously, I was I wondering if Schroeder would have taken Theo Riddick uh, if it hadn't been uh, – if Theo hadn't been grabbed by the number four team right in, in front of him. Uh, Martellus Bennett, congratulations, buddy. There Now you've got an athletic tight end. You're going to start the season off beautifully with this player – um, because we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets and, and defensive coordinators that are uh, competing against New England are going to have to dust off exactly what uh, they had years ago uh, with uh, Gronkowski and the misguided Hernandez. You know, we're going to be we're going to review uh, everybody's uh, everybody's team at that point uh, in the second half uh, of this hour. And and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Tango and Cash's squad. But to me, Farrell, I look at that team, I see three running backs on the roster so far. Danny Woodhead, Matt Jones, and Aaron Foster. And I look at those three guys, and I, the one thing that it, it, to me just hits me over the head as the most common trait among them, and that's they're all very talented catching passes out of the backfield. That's mm-hmm. so valuable for running backs nowadays uh, in this uh, – the, the way the NFL is being run now, and especially – in fantasy in a PPR contest like this uh, for the pros versus Joes, uh, getting those pass catchers at running back so incredibly valuable. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Has, do you think Steve Smith has something left in the tank at the, at the nine 11 pick here by uh, Jimmy Wagner? That's his uh, number three receiver. It looks like yes. Three, third receiver. What do you make of the icon coming off that really, really bad? I think it was an Achilles uh, injury. Uh, last year or ankle I, I'm not really sure I know it was a significant injury and it was a lower leg injury what do you make of Steve Smith coming off that uh, to be a late ninth round pick here before he was injured he was brilliant and I don't think he would be coming back if he didn't have something to prove he's a fascinating player to watch this entire team you got to expect them to play better they had just a wickedly cursed year last season so I, I really like that pick and I like the receiver that's going to line up on the other side of him that's still on the board. And, and, and I love it, Farrell, that, uh, that you didn't say his name. We, we, get, we still get uh, a lot of guys, uh, uh, maybe even the majority of, of players, they, they don't like it when 
Uh, you say a guy's name who hasn't been drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for uh, for holding that back. That is the ninth round, ladies and gentlemen. We move on to the tenth. This is if you love quarterbacks, this is the round for you. I I was wondering because I've seen these quarterback runs this year in, in our high stakes drafts, Farrell, go even later than the tenth round. Um, but this really seems wow. like everybody wants to get their starter this round, and everybody does have a starting quarterback now as we move towards the eleventh round. But a lot of quarterbacks came off the board here. Uh, before we get to them, uh, the first two picks of the 10th round, both Cleveland Browns, Isaiah Kroll to uh, Corey Parson, and then Josh Gordon got a lot of buzz in the, uh, in the draft room here uh, for the show tonight. Uh, a lot of people approving of that selection, Josh Gordon at the 10 2 that seems to be about where he's going ninth, 10th round of high stakes drafts right now. I don't know if that's going to change until August 2nd or maybe August 1st when people are getting ready for the fact that he can be, um, you know, reinstated to the NFL on the second. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I do know uh, for the next week or so, I do view Gordon going in the ninth or 10th round. Is he a player that you would look to acquire at that price? Yes, that's great value there, and this is a team that needed it, so that's a great pick. You look at, too, I mean, you, you have to – we always say this. You have to be weak somewhere in these drafts. So you look at Jimmy Wagner's team. He gets Peterson Bell and then Latavius Murray as, as his three-headed monster at running back. He gets Russell Wilson uh, as the third quarterback off the board. He already took Delaney Walker. Uh, so he is elite at tight end quarterback and running back. And then he's just sort of filling in the cracks at receiver. Golden Tate, Torrey Smith, Steve Smith, Josh Gordon. Uh, there's uh, some lower flowers with those players there but a lot of upside with Smith and Gordon. So I'm with you uh, on the Gordon value there. Marvin Jones is the pick that goes right after Josh Gordon. Marvin Jones to uh, Tim McCullough at the uh, 10.03. Then you look at Eli Manning as uh, the number one quarterback for Tango and Cash. Doriel Green Beckham as the number four receiver for Tony Sincata from Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Tom Brady going to be missing for the first uh, month of the season. He is the number one quarterback for Thomas Glaze. Uh, following up his tight end, first tight end selection in the ninth round of Martellus Bennett, Rumford Johnny goes Vance McDonald, uh, a guy for the San Francisco 49ers, the guy who, again, we talk about that Niners offense. Maybe he's a beneficiary. Maybe he comes out and has a breakout season given the lack of weapons that uh, San Francisco has there. And then three straight receivers, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, go off the board to uh, Chad Schroeder, uh, Adam Ronis and uh, Paul Miley, respectively, finishing up the 10th round. Travis Benjamin, uh, now in San Diego this year. He is the number four receiver for Jake Seeley. And Jordan Cameron, the third tight end for James Harper. Cameron uh, is the final selection of the 10th round. A lot of quarterbacks going here, Farrell. Now, if you were a team uh, in this draft that did not have a quarterback yet, which I believe five teams going into this round, did not have quarterbacks. They all take care of them right there, and they get their starter. Would you have waited another round, or would you have made sure that you snared a quarterback here? Not in this format, because I want three, especially if I don't have one at this point. I want three, so you've got to get one of them now. If you count them up, I I can't do the math. But uh, my favorite pick of this round uh, goes to the number two team. I think Jake is getting his groove back. Travis Benjamin here is is a wonderful pick in the 10th round. And uh, at the end of the year, we might see – I think we take a look at the receivers in this round. Travis Benjamin has the most production easily. 
Yeah, Benjamin, you and I disagree on. We just fundamentally disagree on Benjamin. Yes, I, I did yeah. read. I, I did read. To, was it today or yesterday? He might actually uh, be returning some kicks uh, for San Diego this year uh, as well. So definitely, if you're playing in a league that uh, rewards that, like the FFPC's action scoring, uh, maybe you bump up uh, Benjamin a little bit more. But I know you you were a fan of Benjamin's even last year before he broke out in Cleveland Farrell. Oh, I was a big fan of him, and I almost forgot to draft him in my 28th pick, my last pick in this format, the best ball format, and he scored for me regularly and helped me greatly in my efforts in that league. Does it make sense uh, for Tom Brady to be going in this round, or do you think he should have gone earlier even with the suspension? You look at Deion Lewis coming back from injury. You look at the addition of Martellus Bennett. Uh, the addition of Chris Hogan in that offense as well. I mean, it seems like New England has gotten more weapons for him on offense, and the fact that quarterback is so deep and you can get a viable starter or even take Jimmy Garoppolo you know, later on, it do, doesn't it make sense that Brady should actually have gone a little bit earlier than the 10th round, or do you think this is a good spot for him? To make the argument either way, if you say I want 75% – of Tom Brady, or do I want 100% of Carr, Winston, and Rivers? I might go ahead and say I want 100% of those other guys, but to, but Brady, you, you can't make an argument for it. And based on, you know, I'm looking in this draft for where the other quarterbacks are going, and I know that uh, Palmer and Rothenberger are going ahead of him. As long as they're still on the board, I could wait on Brady. So I would have probably waited to hear on Brady, yeah. The 11th round is nearly complete. Um, let's talk about that. Uh, it seems like we're in the way that quarterbacks went in round 10 and the way that uh, tight ends went in round eight, we're seeing a lot of running backs go off the board here in round 11. Melvin Gordon, the first of those running backs going at the 1101 to James Harper. Kamar Aiken, uh, the 1102, that is Jake Seeley's selection there. Laquan Treadwell goes to Paul Miley, and then we see three straight running backs. Uh, Chris Ivory of the Jaguars to Adam Ronis. And then TJ Yeldon, his new teammate, goes to uh, Cocktails and Dreams. Chad Schroeder at the 11.05. Bilal Powell to Rumford Johnny with the uh, sixth pick of the 11th round. Vincent Jackson and Sammy Coates go off the board uh, to um, Thomas Glaze and Tony Sincata, respectively. Jay Ajayi goes to Matt Zozula, so he backs up his Arian Foster selection in the ninth round with Jay Ajayi in the 11th. Nicely done there. If you're a fan of handcuffing, and in this format, I am. Justin Forsett uh, goes to, um, uh, uh, excuse me, um, Tim McCulloch. Uh, yes, Tim McCulloch takes Justin Forsett at the, uh, at the 11-10 pick. And then Stephon Diggs, the third straight receiver selected by Jimmy Wagner. Again, Jimmy trying to load up on those receivers after he took care of the other positions earlier. And the final pick of the 11th round is Florida State's, uh, Florida State's own, Carlos Williams. Uh, so he goes to uh, Corey Parson there. You look at this round, Farrell, a ton of running backs going off the board. And I, I think that's a factor of guys are have, have filled in um, their starting lineups. Everybody has a quarterback. Everybody has a tight end. A lot of people have been stacking running backs and receivers. And now it's, it's sort of the time you go after those, those running back lottery tickets, the guys who don't have a role right away, don't have an opportunity right now, but you know, one in, they're one injury away from being a significant contributor. And in this format, you, know, you, you can keep them on, on the bench. They'll only play for you when they go off. And I think that we're seeing a, a lot of players take advantage of that in this 11th round. 
I think so, too, and I've been biting my tongue. It's very difficult not to talk about this when we were in the eighth round, the ninth round, but T.J. Eldon and Chris Ivory still up being on the board. I didn't quite understand that. I I thought that someone uh, at the turns at either end would pick up both those players. They go back-to-back. I, I, both of them are going to be solid contributors, and in this format, especially with what Ivory will be doing down around the goal line, they could have some huge games. I uh, I don't understand why they were still on the board at the 11th round. Laquan Treadwell and Stephon Diggs both going off the board in the 11th round here. Treadwell and Diggs, uh, we don't know which one is going to be the number one receiver for uh, for the Vikings this year. And actually on Friday's show, we were talking to um, uh, Jay Flake, who is going to be participating in this contest one week from today he's in league number four but we asked him you know who do you view as the number one receiver in minnesota and he said he didn't know if there was a number one receiver in minnesota and he'd be (laughs) avoiding the situation entirely so Farrell, we see both these guys last until the double digit rounds and both players that selected treadwell and Diggs already had a bunch of receivers in front of them it's it's tough to count on any production from uh, the Vikings passing game this year, but in this format, you uh, you can get Treadwell, you can get Diggs, and you know probably those guys are each going to have two or three really good weeks this year. Two or three, does that mean enough to take them in the 11 position when there are um, players on the board that could score for you more frequently? Um, in In the media, and amongst some of the fan base in Minnesota, uh, Bridgewater is getting commentary uh, about his lack of production and his fourteen, his, his two seasons, back-to-back 14 touchdowns. And the general manager came out this weekend, uh, Spillman came out this weekend and said, uh, Teddy is doing great. He's doing exactly what we want him to do and running the offense in the way we want it run, which means maybe 20 if they're very, very fortunate, you've got a lot of receivers there to spread those 15 to 20 touchdowns around. I don't like those picks at all. You look at um, – we talk about handcuffing a, a lot, Farrell, and, and normally when we're talking about it, we're referring to running backs uh, because it, it is the position that's the easiest – I mean, quarterback obviously would, would be the, the position that it's easiest to take advantage of a handcuff situation if there weren't an injury, but we see a lot more injuries – uh, at the running back position, but sometimes you do it with receivers too. And you look at uh, Tony Sincata's team. Now he drafts Marcus Wheaton in the seventh round, and then he backs Wheaton up with Coates in the 11th. And I feel like in this best ball format where things are going to change throughout the season, you're not going to be able to take advantage of the waiver wire. But one thing you can take advantage of is drafting pockets of fantasy value and locking up certain sections of teams. And between Coates and Wheaton, unless we all of a sudden see uh, a Darius Hayward Bay emergence at, you know, whatever age he is, he's got to be in his 30s now. Uh, I I don't see that happening. But you have Wheaton and Coates. He he essentially gets the number two wide receiver production uh, in the in the Pittsburgh, the elite Pittsburgh offense, only paying a seventh and 11th round uh, value for each guy. What do you make of that strategy there? I love the strategy. He needed it. We got on him for Rocket and Baldwin, but I, I love uh, I love Wheaton and Colts and what he's doing with that. And those are going to those are often going to be the receivers that are going to score for him. He needs to come on late in this draft 
and and pick some receivers. Uh, he's he's still got some work to do, but he's moving in the right direction. We see the Jaguars uh, running back teammates Chris Ivory and T.J. Yeldon go back to back in the eleventh round. Uh, Ivory to uh, to Adam Ronis and T.J. Yeldon to Chad Schroeder. If you had a choice between the two this year, uh, it's tough because Ivory it sounds like is going to be the starter, but it also sounds like Yeldon. Uh, might snipe some uh, third-down passing game work from him. If you could only draft one this year, which one would it be if you're paying roughly the same price for him as both these guys did here in the 11th round? Farrell, which one would it be? The one I want is Ivory's. He's a hand-downs favorite for me. I think he's brought there uh, to deliver um, the to deliver solid uh, ground game. I, I can see Yeldon doing very, very well in the first half of games, and I can see Ivory uh, coming in in the second half and, and back-to-back multiple carries and just trying to take the pressure off of Bortles. They want Bortles' play to change somewhat. 56 sacks last year. They can't keep that player healthy if they don't develop a running game. Jacksonville's going to look different than what we've seen from them in the past couple seasons. You know, Farrell, Dynasty Fantasy Football is always a blast. We have the rookie free agent drafts uh, at the FFPC two weeks after the NFL draft every single year. And you know what's interesting about those drafts is you, you draft all these players in the first round and second round, guys that are hot names, guys that – uh, we talk about a lot in the months leading up to the draft and then, uh, you know, right after the draft when we select them in our dynasty drafts. And then we kind of don't hear about them uh, unless they're really, really elite uh, until the, uh, you know, later on in the season if these guys need to step up because of injuries. Um, and people always ask me, well, what about redraft? What role do rookies play in redraft? Well, I'll tell you what is going to happen with rookies, especially in this draft, as it seems like round 12 was the round of rookies. And we're going to talk about which rookies went off the board here in this 12th round. When we come back from this break, you're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Pros versus Joes, FFPC Draft, number one. This is the Purple Rain Division. He's Farrell Elliott. I'm Eric Balkman. We're coming back right after this. Purple is raining all over the Pros versus Joes draft here tonight. I'm Eric Balkman. He is Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott. We're covering all the action of the pros versus Joe's draft here tonight. Uh, six pros, uh, fantasy analysts in the industry, six FFPC high stakes Joe's going toe to toe, trying to win an FFPC main event entry for 2017. And the action's been hot tonight, uh, especially in the 12th round. When you talk about elite rookies with unknown upside, there's been a bunch of them here going in this draft, kicking things off barrel at the uh, 1201 is a uh, familiar face in a new place. That's Mike Wallace. Uh, the new Ravens receiver. He goes to Corey Parsons at the 1201. Josh Doxson, the uh, uh, first rookie that's selected in the 12th round, he goes at the 1202 to Jimmy Wagner. Uh, by the way, that is Jimmy Wagner's fourth straight receiver uh, selected and sixth, excuse me, fifth receiver selected in the last six rounds. Michael Thomas, fellow rookie, goes to uh, Tim McCulloch at the uh, 1203. Then we see Kirk Cousins, Philip Dorsett, and Pierre Garçon. Cousins to Zozula, Dorsett to Sincata, and Garçon to Glaze. Andy Dalton is the quarterback selected uh, by Rumford Johnny to back up his Drew Brees selection in the seventh round. Dalton here goes in the twelfth. Mohamed Sanu is uh, the receiver that goes to Chad Schroeder at the 1208. CJ Procise and Will Ty are the next two selections. Another rookie, Procise goes to Adam Ronis, and then Will Ty, the third tight end selected by Paul Miley. Uh, and let's finish it off <clears throat> excuse me, with another rookie, Jordan Howard, the uh, running back for the Chicago Bears, he of Indiana Hoosiers fame, 
uh, Howard goes to uh, uh, Jake Seeley at the second-to-last pick of the 12th round. And then Tyrod Taylor, he's the backup quarterback selected by James Harper at the 12-12. A lot of rookies going in this round, Farrell. Uh, we don't know how good they're going to be. We don't know what sort of opportunity they're going to be presented. Uh, but when you look at the rookies selected in this round, which one is your favorite? You have Josh Doxson to wa- from Washington. You have Michael Thomas from New Orleans. You look at uh, C.J. Procise uh, from Seattle. And then the Bears' Jordan Howard. If you were going to use your 12th round pick on a rookie, and those are your four choices, which one would it be? I like them all. I like Thomas a great deal. I think he's got the easiest path to the field. Procise has a situation where the other running back doesn't have much of a pedigree as as far as a draft position. And Jordan Howard flashed so impressively in college before he got hurt that he could go in there and take that job away from the other guys if the the position is wide open Howard has the skill to take it so those are some good those are some good reaches on a rookie I really can't uh at Doxon, I've got to study that one a little bit more I'm not really prepared to comment on that one but you know a good a good draft of rookies I like a lot of players in this 12th round it's interesting that we see uh you look at the Washington receivers Deshaun Jackson goes off the board in the eighth round and then we don't see another Washington receiver selected until four rounds later in the 12th with Josh Doxson going and then Pierre Garçon. So Garçon, even though he Mm -hmm. is the starter there right now, uh, he actually gets selected after Josh Doxson. And I think that's more of a factor of Jimmy Wagner trying to get these higher upside guys. I mean, we kind of know what Pierre Garçon is. We don't know what Josh Doxson is yet. Maybe he's going to be worse. Maybe he's going to be awesome and just set the world on fire. We don't know. Uh, But those picks in the uh, 10th round on when you're drafting guys with unknown ceilings, Uh, Those are the picks that can uh, sometimes pay off the most. Um, I also think it's interesting because it seems like Jordan Howard is getting um, more um, pub, as it were. He's getting pimped up a little bit Mm -hmm. more uh, within the fantasy industry within the last uh, two or three weeks or so. And it seems like C.J. Procise and and Howard I was never really high on to begin with. And it seems like Procise, the guy I was high on before the NFL draft, uh, he's actually losing a little bit of steam because Alex Collins – is uh, actually being considered, according to the coaches, for an early down role there, uh, competing with Thomas Rawls. So I think that takes some of the uh, pro size shine off because he was not going in the 12th round uh, two weeks ago. He was going a few rounds higher. Um, then you know, I, don't really have I want any... you to quit reading coaches' quotes in July because they don't really know <laughs> what they're talking about. You know, at this point in the season, they have, they're they're completely clueless about it. So, uh, no, I, I, yeah, Procise and Howard, we haven't heard the last from them. You know, not only, Farrell, you bring up a good point when you talk about coaches talking to the media uh, at this point when, when training camps either have not gotten underway or have just gotten underway. Not only do they not know what they have in some of these rookies until, you know, the pads are on and, and the ones are going against the ones in practice, but I think that there's something to be said for coaches using the media as motivational factors for, for guys, yeah, um, you, you know, you know, in, in that offense as well, you, you, you talk about pro size versus Collins. It, it could have been a case of, of maybe just trying to motivate pro size to be better by saying Alex Collins might be at his same level or even a little bit higher. So I think that there's something uh, to be said for that as well. We have a defense off the board here as we look towards the 13th round. We're going to tell you all about it. Uh, Kendall Wright is the uh, first selection of the 13th round, going to James Harper, Jake Seeley, 
takes Terrence Williams right after that. Terrence Williams from the Dallas Football Cowboys. Ryan Tannehill is the second quarterback drafted by Paul Miley. And then we see Clive <laughs> Walford, the Oakland Raiders uh, sophomore tight end. He goes to Adam Ronis at the 1304. Matthew Stafford is the backup quarterback that Chad Schroeder has drafted here. Uh, and then we see Devin Funches and Will Fuller. Devin Funches, uh, second-year receiver for Carolina. He goes to run for Johnny. And Will Fuller, the rookie receiver from USC, now playing football for the Houston Texans, goes to Thomas Glaze. Uh, Matt Ryan <clears throat> goes off the board to uh, Tony Sincata as his backup quarterback behind Carson Palmer. And then we see Derrick Henry and LeGarrett Blount, two big-time sized running backs, <laughs> as it were. Uh, Henry goes to uh, Matthew Zozula, LeGarrette Blunt to uh, Tim McCulloch here. And then the first defense off the board, Jimmy Wagner breaks his streak of four straight receivers to take the Seattle Seahawks defense. Rounding out the 13th round is another Washington receiver, Farrell, and that's Jamison Crowder <laughs> to Corey Parson. So, uh, you know, my favorite pick in this round, and I, I don't know if you have a favorite Boy, I really like the value of getting Devin Funches in the 13th round by Rumford Johnny. Uh, I think that he steps uh, takes a major step forward in that Carolina offense. I think um, the um, what Kelvin Benjamin was able to do in his rookie year, he regresses more to the mean. And I think Funches, the fact that he came on so hot uh, the last couple months of the season last year, I think we're going to see more of that this year. And you're paying a 13th round price for Funches. And Kelvin Benjamin went in the third round of this draft tonight. I really like that Funches pick at the uh, at the thirteen oh six. I do too. I like what um, uh, I like what Chad did uh, adding Stafford to Rivers. I think they compare very well schedule wise. I really like Derrick Henry picked here. Another another good running uh, running back pick by that team. I I went to an exhaustive explanation that I'll spare everyone tonight. Uh, previously on the show. But um, Derrick Henry is going to get a lot of carries in this offense. Yeah, it, you know, Derrick Henry is uh, hes such a physical freak um, that we really haven't seen a, a good comparison. I don't know a lot of people compare him to, to Brandon Jacobs, but to me, Henry's more athletic. He, he's, he's more yes. pedigreed than Jacobs. And, and uh, Henry, I mean, if, if Farrell, if he ends up being a, a pretty good pass catcher at this level, uh, we could see a lot of great things oh, wow. for Henry. I don't think right away, because I think they're going to give DeMarco Murray the football a lot. Uh, but the second half of 2016 and maybe 2017, we see a lot of really good things from Derrick Henry. Oh, without a doubt. But I, I really think you've got 140 to 50 carries in this player this year. You look at the uh, the rest of the 13th round, Farrell, you know, I know it's important, and you're a you're a, a a DE veteran. You've done a ton of these 28 round drafts. At what point do you start looking to to take a defense, and how many do you usually like to get in this format? Uh, would you be looking at taking a defense in the 13th round if all 32 were still on the board? Absolutely not. I'm going to get two or three if it just happens to fall that way to me. And um, my two or three are going to outscore your Seattle and someone else that you drafted that high. I'm, I'm, no, I, I don't like that call at all. You look at the rest of the 13th round. Kendall Wright is uh, a guy who's not a starter right now, Farrell, and I feel like that's sort of driving down his value. It's, it's tough for me to envision the, the Titans opening the season with – 
starting receivers, Tajay Wright and Rashard Matthews, when they have Doriel Green Beckham and Kendall Wright behind them. How do you see that, that depth chart shaking out uh, when, we, when we're playing football for real, opening weekend of the NFL season? Do you think Kendall Wright's still on the bench? Kendall Wright will be on the field quite frequently now. Now, you mentioned Tajay Sharp, and he is still on the board here, but I've got to talk a little bit about him. I, I was talking to some players at Massachusetts during the season, and, and I came across this player, and he immediately jumped off the film. Um, and he did well through the draft process. Some of the other uh, Massachusetts players fell off the board. Um, he uh, he gained some momentum. I think he's going to be a very good pro. Uh, we'll we'll see if he can uh, we'll see if he can catch the ball uh, uh, on the NFL stage. Uh, but he's a good ball player. The uh, kicker egg has now been cracked as we have a kicker off oh the board here in the 14th round. <laughs> Farrell, you are you're you're pulling out your your silver locks right now. Just can't can't even believe this. <laughs> well, so the New England kicker went. I don't have it. It mine hasn't updated yet. Is that what we're talking? Yeah, it, about? it literally literally just uh, Guskowski, Stephen Guskowski just went to Jake Seeley. We'll start from the beginning here, but yeah, he just went with the second to last pick of the fourteenth round, leading Super off the fourteenth. What round. are you doing to us? What are you doing, Jake? <laughs> He's he, listen. He's 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 the defending champ. Far be it for me to call him out on any of his yep. picks because he clearly yep. uh, knows what he's doing. And I'll tell you this: we talked about at the top of the show that he started off his draft that last year with C.J. Anderson and Justin Forsett, two guys that did not perform mm-hmm. up to their draft value, and uh, he still won it. And the reason he did was because he was uh, drafting awesome from the third round on. So uh, he he definitely uh, he, he's a leg above uh, above everybody else. Uh, Marcus Mariota leads off the 14th round to Corey Parson. That's his second quarterback. Tony Romo, the second quarterback drafted by Jimmy Wagner at the 14.02. Devontae Adams at the 14.03, the the guy who maybe uh, is the Packers' number three receiver this year, or maybe he gets cut. We don't know. I mean, there's been varying reports on Devontae Adams this year. He goes uh, to Tim McCullough. Uh, Then a little bit of a running back run, Javorius Buck Allen. Uh, Sharkandrick West, former guest of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. He goes to Tony Sincata. James Starks, another Packer. He goes to Thomas Glaze uh, at the uh, 14.06. Uh, Ronnie Hillman mm-hmm. from the Broncos goes to Rumford Johnny. Jared Cook, uh, the Packers tight end, goes to uh, Chad Schroeder. That's his fourth tight end. Uh, he grabs Cook in the 14th round. Joe Flacco, the second quarterback for uh, RotoExperts.com's Adam Ronis. And then Jarek McKinnon goes to uh, Paul Miley, the Sven and Ole, Arnie uh, Grebinowski, and him take Jarek McKinnon. Steven Goskowski, as we touched on earlier, goes to the uh, 14-11 selection. Uh, that's Jake Seeley from Fantasy Sports Network. And rounding out the 14th round, Nelson Agolar Agolar Aguilar goes to James Harper. The <clears throat> Eagles' number two or number three receiver, we don't know yet. Uh, but we do know that he is, in fact, the fifth receiver for James Harper in the Pros versus Joe's draft this year. So, Farrell, you look at the 14th round, some surprising picks once again. I'll tell you what, if somebody asked me who the number three receiver for Green Bay is going to be this year, I still believe it's Devontae Adams. I don't know if I would have taken him in the 14th round, though. That's Even though it's a double-digit pick, and I always said I'm not going to fault anybody for taking uh, anybody from round 10 on, I don't think I would have pulled the trigger on Devontae Adams on the 14th, even in this format. I see some number three uh, receivers on other teams that I'm much 
would have much rather had with Adams. Adams had a very ugly year last year, and it's yet to be determined um, how how he bounces back from it. You know, I love the I love the Buck Allen pick. Um, I, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious here if uh, if Chad took Jared Cook just to deny tight ends from the teams he's playing uh, from his from his competitors in this league. I think maybe that uh, I maybe think he's. Uh, his mind there uh, is a little different than mine. I don't think he's necessarily looking at that player to be a contributor with the tight ends he's already got on that roster. An interesting round, which included a kicker. Yeah, and, and well, let's talk about uh, Chad Schroeder taking Jared Cook there. He is the, I believe, and, and I was counting up while you were talking, Farrell, and I, I didn't see anybody else with four tight ends on their roster. So I believe he is the first uh, team in this draft to have four tight ends. He also has uh, two uh, quarterbacks. He, I don't want to say he's thin at the other positions, but he's definitely not uh, as deep at the running back and receiver position as a lot of other teams. I'm, I'm looking at his roster. I see four running backs uh, on his team, and I see four receivers. Uh, so certainly, again, you only have to start two running backs. You only have to start two receivers. He could start up to three tight ends. The fact that he has so many of them, uh, he, he might end up doing that more often than not this season, especially with the tight end inflated scoring. And Jared Cook, uh, a, a guy that uh, we don't really know how good he can be when he's catching passes from such an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. He's never had a quarterback this uh, good before. However, uh, he's dropped plenty of passes from plenty of catchable passes from lesser quarterbacks that put the ball on the money. And it, he's not exactly young anymore. And it's not like the Packers uh, signed him to a massive deal. It was a one year kind of prove it deal. We'll see what happens. I know Mike McCarthy seemed very, very excited to get him on the roster to bring him into the fold in Green Bay. So that is definitely a high upside pick uh, in the 14th round uh, by Cocktails and Dreams there. Um, You you look at the running backs uh, that have been selected in this round. Farrell, a lot of handcuffs. Uh, Hillman to C.J. Anderson, Jarek McKinnon to Adrian Peterson, James Starks to uh, Eddie Lacy, Buck Allen to Justin Forsett, and Sharkhandrick West to Jamal Charles. I think what, what I'm seeing all those guys have in common in this draft is none of those players selected here in the 14th round, none of them went to the starter uh, no, on, 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 on those teams. They're, they're just, they're, they're purely um, high upside handcuffs that these players are looking at uh, right now and, and just trying to get any kind of, um, you know, high ceiling player uh, that just needs an opportunity here in the 14th. What was your favorite one out of those uh, picks between McKinnon, Hillman, uh, Starks, Sharkhandrick West, and Buck Allen uh, if you were going to be utilizing a 14th-round selection and you didn't necessarily own the starter uh, for those backups? Which one would you be picking? Easy Buck Allen because I think he eclipses Forsett in that backfield. I think he gets more work, more production. I I also think what was interesting, what we've seen – come out of Kansas City in the last week or so. It sounds like Spencer Ware was catching the ball quite a bit in mm-hmm. Kansas City, and that was sort of uh, Sharkhandrick West's forte over um, Spencer Ware last year. Was He was the pass catcher, and Ware was the, the goal line in between the tackles banger. So I'm a little surprised that we see Tony Cicada take Sharkhandrick West over Spencer Ware there. I think it, as much as I love Sharkhandrick West, you know, he was very gracious in an awesome interview on this show. You know, given that I want the more productive player. I think I would have gone Spencer Ware over West there. 
Um, definitely, especially with what you know about where. And since we have to draft this today, um, I agree. That seemed to be some legitimate analysis coming out of Kansas City because the focal point with that team is always the running back position. So the information that you get there is usually consistently good, unlike some of the other information we get from around the league this time of year. Going into the uh, 15th round here, uh, Shane Vereen, the New York Giants running back, goes to uh, James Harper at the 1501. Ryan Fitzpatrick, not yep. yet signed uh-huh. by the Jets. He, he goes off the board to Jake Seeley. Uh, he gets Fitzpatrick as his backup to Andrew Luck. Chris Johnson from the Arizona Cardinals is Paul Miley's pick at the 1503. Richard Matthews from the uh, newest Tennessee Titan, or uh, one of the newest Tennessee Titans, he goes to Adam Ronis uh, at the 1504. Uh, Cocktails and Dreams has their third quarterback on the roster behind Phillip Rivers and Matthew Stafford. Chad Schroeder adds Jay Cutler. Another kicker goes off the board. That's Adam Vinatieri mm. to Rumford Johnny. I, I don't know if these guys are trying to start that, that inevitable kicker run we always see in these mm. DE formats, but uh, uh, it has not started yet because the next pick was Teddy Bridgewater to Thomas Glaze. Darren Sproles goes to Tony Sincata right after that. Alex Smith, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, is the third quarterback drafted by Tango and Cash. Uh, that is uh, behind Kirk Cousins and Eli Manning. Richard Rodgers, the other Packers tight end, goes uh, to Tim McCulloch at the 15-10 and rounding out the 15th round tight end Owen Daniels and running back DeAndre Washington to Corey Parson Farrell. I, you know, we've talked about um, DeAndre Washington to you before, and you – Love following your Raiders. You're a big Raiders fan. But you were, I don't know, it seemed like when we talked about Washington, you were really, even though the Raiders have not talked up Latavius Murray um, this season, I know it seems like you like Murray much more than the Raiders do, and you like DeAndre Washington much less than seemingly the Raiders do. (laughs) I think they're very excited to talk about their, their draft. Um, they're getting, they're beginning to draft very well in Oakland. Uh, McKenzie's getting it in the position. He's grown into the position. So they're going to post draft. They're going to talk about these running backs. He's a very good player, but I think Murray is an elite running back. And I think he'll keep Washington on the bench. Washington will be a contributor, but he'll keep Washington on the bench. There's some things I like about this round, Balky. Um, uh, Richard Matthews, I like in this round. I I can imagine that uh, Thomas Glaze just had to grab a quarterback, he felt, after Jay Cutler went off the board. But our boy Super Jake uh, checking in with Ryan Fitzpatrick when his natural handcuff, Chris Johnson, was available is a real head-scratcher. Yeah, um, that is interesting. And um, we haven't really seen Jake Seeley attack the running back position since he, he grabbed those three uh, running backs early on, he gets David Johnson, Matt Forte, and Carlos Hyde in the first five rounds. Um, but then he only grabs Jordan Howard in the 12th after that. So he's obviously not uh, too concerned with you know getting these mid-level uh, handcuffy type guys. And uh, I think it is interesting that you mentioned that, the, uh, drafting a quarterback that is not on an NFL team right now over – uh, the natural handcuff to David Johnson, especially when you're investing the second overall pick in David Johnson. I think that's interesting that uh, that he skipped Chris Johnson for that. Um, this again, this was an interesting round overall uh, when you look at um, you know what happened in the 15th. What do you make of the uh, the Darren Sproles selection 
uh, to Tony Sincata uh, going uh, at the 1508. We we saw Ryan Matthews go off the board already early. He was a six-round pick. I even feel like that might have been too late. I feel like he, you could have made a case that he should have gone earlier than that. Um, but mm-hmm. Sproles, the, the second Eagles running back off the board, uh, quite a difference between Matthews and Sproles. And Farrell Sproles is the type of guy in this format – He's going to catch passes. He has been catching passes his entire career and, and done very well at it. Is there more left in the tank as, as he closes in uh, on uh, the wrong – well, he's already closed in on the wrong side of 30. I believe he's over 30 years old in, uh, in a league that does not have too many 30-plus-year-old running backs. What do you think of Darren Sproles, that selection, at the 1508? His skill set is not age-dependent because he's always had those tremendous hands and that nice first step. And every team tries to find a player that looks like Darren Sproles. Now, last year he had a rough year, but I expect he returns. Uh, He was targeted a great deal last year. He just didn't catch the passes in that offense. I think he returns to be significantly targeted, and he looks more like the production of uh, a Woodhead and like a, a production of a Riddick. And I think this is a wonderful choice here. I can't believe guys passed on him. And I would go as far to say the Sproles uh, may outscore Thomas Rawls, his fifth-round running back. You know, I'm, I'm just looking up the 16th round, and this is going to be an, another exciting one to, uh, to talk about. And, and we, will talk, we will touch on it uh, right after this break. We're also going to recap as, much, as many of the teams as we can as possible as we close in on the final segment of tonight's show. We're going to be back tomorrow as well. I'll tell you all about that after the break. But this is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour covering the Pros versus Joes Division Number 1 Purple Rain Draft. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Farrell Elliott. We're going to talk to you more right after this. Welcome back to the final segment of the Purple Rain Division 1 Pros versus Joes FFPC Draft uh, tonight here on July 24th. It is a Sunday evening, and we certainly appreciate you guys uh, hanging out with us tonight, or if you're downloading later, that's even better as well. Uh, Farrell, we talked about uh, the 16th round uh, before the break. A lot of former elite fantasy players in this round. Victor Cruz goes to Corey Parson at the 16.01. Vernon Davis, a guy I've seen go in the second round of football guys drafts in years past. He drops to the 16.02 in the twilight of his career. Uh, Paul Perkins goes to uh, rotoexperts.com's Tony, uh, excuse me, Tim McCulloch uh, there at the 16.03. Then we see fellow rookie Tyler Boyd go right after that to Matt Zozula. CJ Spiller, is the player selected by Tony Sincata here in the 16th round, another former second-round pick, Anquan Bolden. We saw him go at top end of the drafts for many, many years. He's not signed right now, but he gets selected in the 16th round by Thomas Glaze. Uh, new Philadelphia Eagle this year, Ruben Randall, competing for the number two spot uh, outside in that Eagles offense. He goes to Rumford Johnny. Ted Ginn, who had a resurgence last year for the Carolina Panthers, goes to Chad Schroeder. A couple of quarterbacks here. Brock Osweiler to Adam Ronis, and then Robert Griffin, another guy who really tore up fantasy a few years back. He goes to Paul Miley as his number three quarterback. Kenneth Dixon and kicker Stephen Hauschka rounding out the 16th round. Farrell, anything stand out to you in that 16th round? I, I see a lot of former uh, really, really elite options in fantasy now uh, coming in on the twilight of their careers or trying to rejuvenate their careers in certain cases going in the 16th round here. Uh, Randall and Ginn, you can make an argument for. Congratulations on the Brock Osweiler pick. We just don't know, but, man, that's not – in the 16th round, that's a worthwhile gamble for one of the highest-paid young quarterbacks that you'll see uh, for years with seven games, six, seven games experience. 
Uh, I like his pick much better than the RG3 pick. As far as I can see, there's two or three starting quarterbacks uh, still left out there, and, and uh, uh, somebody better somebody better grab them. Maybe maybe three, and uh, there's there's one that I don't understand why he's still on the board. Um, well, Perkins is a very interesting pick. I'm not sure Victor Cruz is ever going to be healthy. Uh, they say he is, and I uh, love the Kenneth Diskin pick, and, you know, God, we've had another kicker pick. <laughs> just just driving Farrell up the wall tonight, seeing all these kicker picks. I, I hope I hope they all come, because we have to stop broadcasting at the top of the hour, um, but I hope that uh, the, the majority of kickers come after that just for Farrell's health and keeping his blood pressure down. Farrell, let's talk about the um, the, the picks here, or excuse me, the, uh, the teams. We'll just sort of give a quick recap on how these teams were constructed, starting with James Harper, drafting out of the uh, one spot. Uh, the quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Tyrod Taylor. Running backs, Devontae Freeman, Jamal Charles, Jonathan Stewart, Melvin Gordon, Shane Vereen. At wideout, he has Antonio Brown, Eric Decker, Emmanuel Sanders, Kendall Wright, Nelson Aguilar, and the tight ends, Gary Barnage, Jimmy Graham, and Jordan Cameron. I'll just give my thoughts uh, real quickly on this. I think that uh, running backs, uh, I, I like what he did there, getting a what should be a starter in Melvin Gordon in the 11th round. He gets the three tight ends on his roster by the 10th round. I think that was key. He gets the number one quarterback, uh, or at least my number one quarterback in uh, in Cam Newton. Uh, and then even though he didn't really pound receivers early, he gets Antonio Brown. He still gets Eric Decker and Emmanuel Sanders. I worry about the depth after that. I don't know how much you'll be able to count on Kendall Wright or Nelson Aguilar, but he's very strong everywhere else. He is. God bless him if Cam Newton gets injured. He's got that as a problem. He needed one more quarterback. I don't know if he'll go out and get him later. Uh, he's got two successful tight ends in Barnage and Cameron. I don't know if Jimmy Graham is the full-time starter with this team this year. We uh, move on to Jake Seeley's squad. Jake Seeley, the defending champion of the pros versus Joes. Uh, he has... Andrew Luck, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Geno Smith at his quarterback. So good job locking up the Jets passing game there. Uh, mm-hmm. The running backs, David Johnson, Matt Forte, Carlos Hyde, Jordan Howard, Kenneth Dixon. The receivers are Demarius Thomas, Randall Cobb, Corey Coleman, Travis Benjamin, Kamar Aiken, and Terrence Williams. Jason Witten and Zach Miller are the tight ends. So, Farrell, I look at this squad and I feel like it's very top-heavy at running back, which will serve him well. I think he is um, fine at quarterback. Getting uh, Andrew Luck on the sixth round was a great value. Uh, the receivers, again, you know, you and I are going to disagree on Benjamin, but as his number four, you could certainly do a lot worse. You get Kamar Aiken right after that in, in a Baltimore passing game that really has a lot of question marks with, with Steve Smith, Rashad Perriman right now. Uh, Aiken was very, very uh, consistent last year. Uh, so you look at him as a as a pretty good number five option. And I, I'm not loving the tight ends in, in Witten and Miller, um, but the rest of the team I, I think is is very competitive and a team that you would uh, feel pretty confident that uh, he, he is going to be in the thick of it uh, as the season goes on. It's a curious draft. I like the tight ends, but I like Miller better than Witten. I probably like Witten a little better than you. Kamar Aiken. I believe is a bench player. I don't believe Kamar Aiken's going to have anywhere near the productivity that he had last year. This team's going to turn back to a rushing attack, and Mike Wallace is going to rediscover himself as a contributor. I would have definitely looked to pick up Wallace and pair him with this team. If you're going to get in bed with the passing attack, it's difficult to get in there with the Ravens, but he needed both those wide receivers. I don't... uh, 
uh, I, I love the Benjamin pick, and, and Coleman has a, a tremendous uh, ceiling. This would be a very, very interesting team to watch. I don't, uh, uh, I just don't know what he's going to get out of uh, uh, Carlos Hyde. That's my one big question mark. Paul Miley uh, drafting uh, at the third spot tonight. He gets uh, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, and Robert Griffin as his quarterbacks. His running backs are Eddie Lacy, Jeremy Hill, Rashad Jennings, Jarek McKinnon, and Chris Johnson. The receivers are Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, Larry Fitzgerald, Willie Sneed, Laquan Treadwell, and at tight end, Kobe Fleener, Tyler Eifert, and Will Ty. Uh, you look at this, uh, he also, excuse me, at receiver had added Kenny Britton, 17th. Farrell, you look at this team, and, and I like – uh, the top two uh, tight ends. And I think Will Ty is, is a really, really good number three tight end in this format. I think the fact that he already has three quarterbacks on his roster is going to serve him well. Um, mm-hmm. The receivers uh, in Julio Jones and Amari Cooper, they should both have fantastic seasons. I don't really know what to expect from Fitzgerald, Sneed, Treadwell after that. But again, you know, the weeks that they're crushing it, they'll be starting. Uh, and then uh, you look at um, the running backs is, is where I, I, I guess I have the question marks. Uh, Lacey, you know I'm a believer in, so I, I wholeheartedly believe he's going to have a, a solid top 10 season. Jeremy Hill, I'm not sure. Rashad Jennings, again, I, I, I have so many questions there, and, and, and I, I do like Paul Perkins. McKinnon may only become relevant if Peterson gets hurt, and Chris Johnson, again, may only become relevant if David Johnson gets hurt. I know that there's, there's beat writers, or there's one beat writer saying Johnson might be the starter there this year, but I think if these running backs come through, uh, Paul Miley is going to be sitting near the top of the leaderboard. He just has to have that happen. It's a very good team. Yes, he does. I really like where he got Willie Sneed. You know, Willie Sneed is the quiet producer here. He's going to get more value out of his quarterbacks, uh, uh, especially if Tannehill gets it. You know, I change my mind about Tannehill every day. And Griffin is his wild card. Adam Ronis from RotoExperts.com picking fourth tonight. Joe, excuse me, Jameis Winston, Joe Flacco, Brock Osweiler at quarterback. Running back, C.J. Anderson, D'Angelo Williams, Theo Riddick, Chris Ivory, C.J. Procise. Receivers, Odell Beckham, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkins, Michael Floyd, Deshaun Jackson, and Richard Matthews. The tight ends are Zach Ertz, Clive Walford, and Ben Watson. Uh, Farrell, maybe the best wide receivers in this league. Uh, you can certainly make a case for it. Uh, the running backs, I think, uh, leave a little bit to be desired. The quarterbacks, uh, a lot of upside with Winston. I know you like Osweiler. Flacco is, you know, he'll probably start for him a handful of weeks uh, this year as well. Um, and I'm not loving the tight ends too much in Ertz, Walford, and Watson, but the receivers are going to carry this team if it is going to be successful. That's exactly right. Some of these guys I really like, and I, I need them to be – he needs them to play as well as I like them. Uh, looking at uh, Ivory, looking at uh, Richard Matthews, uh, and I've always been an Ertz fan. It's a 16-week season. You know, Ertz has always historically come on at the uh, at the end of the year. Michael Floyd, I've got question marks about him. I believe he's a little overplayed. Uh, Both uh, our our early pick as the favorite in this competition did not disappoint tonight as Chad Schroeder uh, from the five-spot nabs, Phillip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, and Jay Cutler. Uh, The running backs, Mark Ingram, Ryan Matthews, Amir Abdullah, TJ Yeldon. Receivers, Brandon Cooks, Jordan Matthews, Kevin White, Mohamed Sanu, Ted Ginn, and Robert Woods. 
And then tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Julius Thomas. Bar none, I think he has the best tight ends in this league. Farrell, I think the quarterbacks are going to be fine, uh, given the, the, uh, the upside of each one of them. Uh, I think running back Ingram has to have a good season. Ryan Matthews, uh, I, I believe, was a good value in the sixth round, but he still has to come through as, uh, as the starter and, uh, and lead guy for Philly. Uh, and then you look at the receivers. There's some question marks there, but there is a lot of upside as well. You need some flyers on a running back to fill out the uh, to fill out the roster, but he's got exactly what he needs at the running back. Good, solid twelve to fourteen point guys per game, and and Abdullah uh, significant ceiling. Yeldon, we don't know about, but yeah, I like this team because he's going to take advantage of the dual flex with these tight ends, and he's got just enough at receiver to pick it up. My favorite, my favorite pick here. Amongst a lot of players I like, my favorite pick here in the 12th round, Sanu, in this format. The uh, Team 6 tonight was DraftDayConsultants.com's Rumford Johnny, and he ends up with Drew Brees and Andy Dalton. That is his quarterbacks. His running backs, Frank Gore, Charles Sims, Bilal Powell, Ronnie Hillman. Uh, the receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Marshall, Jarvis Landry, John Brown, Tavon Austin, Devin Funches, Ruben Randall, and the tight ends, Martellus Bennett and Vance McDonald. Farrell, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous that he only has two quarterbacks, that he only has two tight ends, and that he waited until the ninth round to take a tight end. Uh, the receivers, again, right up with uh, Adam Ronis' squad, he might have the best receivers in the league. Um, so he's definitely going to be strong there. Uh, running back, a lot of question marks. Gore, Sims, and Powell, along with Hillman on his squad right now. He's going to have to have a, a lot of things fall the right way in the backfield for him. I have to have those receivers score every weekend. I don't like anything about his running backs. Um, it's a difficult draft for him. He's going to have to go get some green stickers. There's, there's some running backs that are handcuffs for uh, for some of the things. A couple of the players are still on the board, but these running backs don't start. You know, these running backs will not contribute enough for him to be successful in this format. FFPC Joe Thomas Glaze drafting from the seventh spot, getting Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater as his signal callers. LaShawn McCoy, Deion Lewis, DeMarco Murray, Jeremy Lankford, James Starks at running back. Des Bryant, Allen Robinson, Julian Edelman, Vincent Jackson, Pierre Garçon, Will Fuller, Anquan Bolden are the receivers. And the tight ends, Ladarius Green, Kyle Rudolph, and Hunter Henry. Farrell, I really, um, I really love this team's running backs. I think he, I think Thomas, uh, Thomas Glaze did a great job in the backfield. Uh, he, it would be nice to see him get another quarterback for the first month of the season uh, other than Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know how possible mm-hmm. that is at this point in the draft. Um, and I'm, I'm nervous about the tight ends uh, as well and just getting Green and Rudolph, who always seem to disappoint, and Henry, who's a rookie, and you can't really count on him. Uh, I think he did a good job with the receivers and the running backs. Um, but really, my favorite team for running backs so far is this one here. And, and he didn't draft one until round four. Uh, I would say that he, uh, if this, if, in golf terms, I would say that he birdied the first six holes and then ran into the beer tent at hole number seven. I don't know where this draft went, <laughs> nor what he was thinking. He's in terrible trouble at, at quarterback because he's got to live with Bridgewater. And Bridgewater, through the first four games, might, might get him six touchdowns. No production at that position, and that'll be the numbers that he'll have. You know, we're in the 19th round. There's quarterbacks still out there. Uh, come on, Tom, grab one. That's gonna that's, that's gonna make your world. But uh, uh, yeah, this this team he needs a 28th round pick of Travis Benjamin. That's that's what he needs. <laughs> Travis or this year's Travis Benjamin. That's exactly what he needs. 
That's that's right, man. Uh, team eight is Tony Sincata from SiriusXM Fantasy Radio. Carson Palmer, Matt Ryan, Mark Sanchez are his quarterbacks. Todd Gurley, Lamar Miller, Thomas Rawls, Sharkandrick West, Darren Sproles, C.J. Spiller are the running backs. Receivers, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, Marcus Wheaton, Doriel Green-Beckham, Sammy Coates, Philip Dorsett, and Chris Hogan. Tight ends are Greg Olson, Charles Clay. I like the fact uh, that he has Olsen and Clay as his top two. I would have liked to see another tight end on his roster. I would have also liked to see him grab another running back after, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sooner than waiting for Sharkandrick West in the 14th after he took Rawls in the fifth. I, I think he could have used another mid-round one there. I know he was trying to fill in the holes at receiver, and obviously if Russell Wilson wins the MVP, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett uh, might be the beneficiaries <laughs> of that. But the fact that Marcus Wheaton is your number three and DGB is your number four, more questions than answers on this roster as we get deeper into it, Carol. Well, I, I will say this for him. He's to me, he's winning the draft since round fifteen, and he he really did something wonderful in the eighteenth round where he picked up Hogan, and I think he's got a significant upside along with Colts, and, and, and those guys may end up being the scores for him that he is he's going to need. There's no way in this format that Hogan should have been on the board in the eighteenth round. Yeah, I agree. Great value there. I like the value of C.J. Spiller two rounds before that as well. We move on to uh, Matthew Zozula, Tango, and Cash gets Eli Manning, Kirk Cousins, and Alex Smith at quarterback. Uh, Running backs, Danny Woodhead, Matt Jones, Arian Foster, Jay Ajayi, Derrick Henry, Buck Allen. The receivers, A.J. Green, Alshon Jeffrey, Jeremy Macklin, Sterling Shepard, Tyler Boyd, Stevie Johnson. Tight ends are Jordan Reed and Antonio Gates. Again, I really like to see teams with three tight ends on their roster at this point. He only has two. They are very good options. Uh, And then you look at his receivers. I think they're very good. I like the pass-catching running backs. Uh, I think that was great. And I really uh, like uh, the fact that he has uh, three quarterbacks on his roster by round 15. Um, I think the question mark for me is uh, the lack of an elite running back one and the lack Mm -hmm. of uh, a third tight end at this point. Other than that, I think this is a solid roster. Arian Foster has the chance to be elite. Uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, man, seventh round, but he's going to be very, very happy he has him. Uh, Tyler Boyd is, is is a very good pick here. I think this team has a chance of winning this league with some good health. It's going to have to have Jordan Reed stay healthy, but uh, I like this team. Let's talk about 2014 pros versus Joe's overall champ, Tim McCullough's roster from the 10 spot. He gets Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger, two elite options at the quarterback position. Ezekiel Elliott, Doug Martin, Justin Forsett, LeGarrette Blount, Paul Perkins, and Devontae Booker are his running backs. The receivers are Jordy Nelson, Kelvin Benjamin, Alan Hearns, Michael Crabtree, Marvin Jones, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and Jeff Janis, loading up on those Packers receivers. Uh, and he only has, uh, let's see, two tight ends on his roster, and they are Austin Safarian Jenkins and Richard Rodgers. So the good news for Tim McCullough, he drafted more than one tight end uh, on his team. He is excellent at his uh, top two quarterback positions. He may uh, really not need to count on a third one with those two guys. Uh, and then you look at um, the receivers, they don't really wow you at all, but the fact that these guys mm. all have roles in their in their respective teams' offenses, I think, is all you need in this format sometimes. And, and then the running backs, uh, I thought he'd get uh, great value uh, with Doug Martin. And if Forsett and Blunt uh, are able to uh, keep the uh, you know getting forty percent of the carries uh, in their offenses, I think that uh, they could um, 
be all right uh, as picks in, in the 11th and, and 13th. And then Paul Perkins, you look at him too. I, I, I like him. I think that he becomes the guy uh, sooner rather than later in New York, uh, despite the Rashad Jennings love. So I like that selection as well. I like this team, Farrell. I like this team a lot, too. I like Booker as another running back with some upside. What I don't like about this team, everyone can look at it and say you've got two tight ends. I think he has a tight end that is probably one of the worst players drafted here, Austin, Safarian, Jenkins. Um, this player is having some breakdowns in the locker room. This player may not end up being the starter for this team. I think he needs to throw some purple on the board as we move move late. I see a lot of good players still available to be drafted that will help in this format. It uh, His draft is still going to be dependent on what he does in the next eight picks. Jimmy Wagner is the uh, 11th uh, team here tonight, and he gets uh, Russell Wilson and Tony Romo as his quarterbacks. Adrian Peterson, Lev Bell, Latavius Murray, Tevin Coleman at the running back uh, spots, Golden Tate, Torrey Smith, Steve Smith, Josh Gordon, Stephon Diggs, and Josh Doxson are the receivers. Tight ends Delaney Walker, Owen Daniels, and Vernon Davis. Farrell, I I look at this squad, and they're really strong at running back. I think that he'll be all right at quarterback uh, with Wilson and Romo. Not not Mm -hmm. great. Um, and then uh, the tight end worries me. I mean, you get Delaney Walker early, but then you don't draft another one until round 15, and you get Daniels and Vernon Davis. Uh, I'm nervous about that. Uh, and then the receivers, I, you know, again, you, you, you don't necessarily need to count on that position for every week production. You just want to get numbers. And he sort of went away from the position after he grabbed Josh Doxson in the 12th round uh, to, to get that second quarterback, to get those two tight ends. So I, I think uh, if, if the running backs end up crushing it this year and Peterson, Bell, and Murray, uh, he'll be in the thick of it at the end of the season. But um, I, I'm a little worried about the receivers and tight ends on this team. He's locking up the defenses and kickers. I'm, you know, there's, there's one, maybe two NFL teams – that still have valuable tight ends that, that haven't been drafted here that that certainly could could make a contribution to this team. When he was busy um, drafting those back-to-back tight ends and then those back-to-back kickers, a lot of very good players that could have helped him um, went off the board. So I, I think I, perhaps he has some deep sleepers that he really likes that he feels he can get as he moves through the 20th and 28th, I see some great players still out there. So more power to it. Final team we'll talk about tonight is Corey Parson from Fantasy, or Series X on Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, he gets Blake Bortles and Marcus Mariota as his quarterbacks. Running backs are Duke Johnson, Giovanni Bernard, Isaiah Kroll, Carlos Williams, and DeAndre Washington. The receivers Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Dante Moncrief, Devontae Parker, Mike Wallace, Jamison Crowder, and Victor Cruz. Tight ends are Eric Ebron, Dwayne Allen, and Cameron Brait uh, from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, uh, I think, again, elite options at receiver. Uh, clearly, to me, one of the top three teams in this league uh, as far as receivers go. Gets two good pass-catching running backs uh, early on in Duke Johnson and Giovanni Bernard. He essentially locks up uh, the Cleveland Browns running game, getting Kroll. Uh, and he gets Carlos Williams in round 11. But, I mean, just not a ton of running back depth on this team. And I would have liked to see a better um, tight end number three than Cameron Brait. Uh, If Ebron and Allen do break out and then have massive seasons, well, that's fine. And he doesn't need to count on uh, a number three tight end uh, on this team. But, 
again, there, there might be some weeks where the tight end production is a little lean on this team. Receivers will have to carry him. I feel like we've said that about a few teams tonight, but Corey Parson, yeah. another one of those teams. He's got to have for Devontae Parker what everyone says Devontae Parker can deliver. He's got to become a uh, 90-100-catch receiver in this. He's got some great receivers. It's going to be a cold, cold day at running back. Uh, unless Gio catches a lot, a lot of passes for him. I think I really like uh, Cameron Braid. I think that becomes the starting tight end um, at Tampa. And uh, if I am wrong about Latavius Murray, then he made a fine, fine pick with DeAndre Washington. He, uh, you know, Corey always seemed to know what he's doing. He does it a little differently than I would. I think what he's going to be surprised with is Bortles and Mariota don't have the kind of years uh, they're going to be thought of as better, more successful NFL quarterbacks without the statistics, especially in Bortles' case, without some of the passing statistics that he had in the previous year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Mariota will uh, will need to have his legs carry him uh, in more ways than one for Corey Parson to have a successful uh, season. We had a successful show tonight, Farrell, as we kick off the uh, 2016 version of the Pros versus Joes. I want to thank you uh, especially for, for staying a little bit past the two-hour marker tonight. It was awesome of you to join me as a co-host. And everybody who is interested in playing in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship that uh, Farrell commissions, you can definitely go to kffsc.com. You can follow uh, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship and Farrell on Twitter at kffsc. Farrell, plenty of, uh, uh, of spots open in the uh, main event in the Iwan Vegas uh, leagues in, in the, in the, uh, the Draft Masters uh, format. I believe the Draft Masters is still open, is it? Yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. This format is still open? Yes, exactly. Uh, and uh, so it's spots left in that, but the main event, truly the creme de la creme. You can draft online starting in, on August 14th. You can draft live in Cincinnati at the Horseshoe on August 21st. And then, of course, the weekend of August 28th is when I'll be in Louisville along with Dave Gerzak, Ron Meyer, Kurt All, Roy Corson, all the, the Wisconsin guys coming down uh, for that. That is going to be awesome. $300 for a main event team, $7,500 to the winner. Uh, you get a free FFPC main event entry for the top five, Farrell, and above all, an awesome fantasy football live experience in Louisville. I thank you, Balky, for being such a great supporter of our league. You know, our unique ties uh, and fellowship and friendship with the FFPC has, has been a, a big thing for us. We've introduced Las Vegas drafting to a lot of guys here in Kentucky that would have would have never made it uh, out there if they hadn't have won those bids. And then we've had the, the benefit and the, the great situation of, of players that are, that are national players um, taking the time to uh, travel to Louisville and draft with us or to play online. It's a real honor. We we love it. The guys here locally and the guys from out of town, it just makes for a great weekend. So we would love to see anyone that would want to join us. Listen, there's plenty of great stuff, plenty of great leagues at myffpc.com with the online satellites, the Superflex, the Football Guys Players Championship all going on. My advice to you, Sign up for those. Make sure you keep those weekends open for Kentucky and, and, and uh, make a trip uh, to one of those live events. It's, uh, it's a blast. Uh, it, it just as fun as, as we're going to have at the Westgate uh, in Las Vegas for opening weekend of the NFL season. You can sign up for your main event teams. Remember, 
that uh, the uh, deadline for signing up and getting your early draft slots next weekend, that's tomorrow. So make sure you pay off your balance. Make sure you get your teams uh, in line uh, to get your early draft slots next weekend. Remember, you get $250 off the price of uh, additional teams after you bought your first one. So definitely check that out as well. Farrell, I think the next time I talk to you, you're going to be up in beautiful Appleton, Wisconsin for the Mile of Music, and uh, I can't wait to uh, to see you and hang out with you uh, for, for those nights. i got to tear myself away from commissioning uh, for a few of those nights, but I'm sure we're going to run into each other on a couple, and I uh, can't wait to talk to you then. Balky, you've got good ears, and you're going to have them filled with some music. We'll see you up there. All right, sounds good. That's Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Check all that uh, stuff out at kffsc.com. Uh, I want to thank Farrell. I want to thank uh, all of you guys for tuning into this broadcast and staying a little bit past the uh, two-hour mark. Uh, I want to uh, thank you for that. I want to thank our audio engineer and mutual friend, uh, excuse me, audio engineer Bryce and mutual friend and producer Rob. Uh, thank you so much for doing a great job tonight. And uh, remember, people, we're doing this right away again tomorrow. We're going to be doing uh, the Pros versus Joe uh, league number two, that's the November Rain Division. That is coming up tomorrow. I will be joined by special go, uh, co-host uh, from Team Kimura, Kimura Fantasy, longtime FFPC players. Alex Blake, one half of that team, will co-host the show with me tomorrow. Of course, uh, Alex has won a Pros versus Joe uh, league before. Uh, he is uh, also the runner-up in the uh, 2015 Football Guys Players Championship. So he's going to co-host with me tomorrow. The uh, players tomorrow, the Joes from the FFPC side, will be Rick Raymaker, Greg Zwickle, Rob Vieira, Jay Berg, Chris Hammond, and Billy Wasoski. So a lot of good guys there. And the pros side being made up uh, from Yahoo.com, Scott Pianowski. We will also have from the Huddle.com, David Dory. Jared Smola from DraftSharks.com will be drafting. Evan Silver. Uh, of Roto World fame. He will be uh, drafting Brown Nelson Sousa from Scout Pro and Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports will all be drafting for the pros tomorrow. Remember, we're going to be an hour later tomorrow. It's going to be 9, 8 central. So check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anybody checking out the live stream, I got to shut it off now. But we'll rejoin you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Your week officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. All right, ladies and gents, that's one down, five to go. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Alex Blake, Eric Balkman. November rain. It's going to be great.